Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Deal Talk. Our guest today, and you know what? I didn't. Even, I just realized. Usually, I'll go over the pronunciation of the name beforehand. I'll give it a try. Oh, and, and Jason Godino. There you go. You got it. I nailed it. You nailed it. I like. I get people saying God and Hope. <laughs> oh God, God Godino. There's no yeah, tilde over the N. Yeah, because I want to pronounce it like a, a Spanish name, yeah. like a Mexican. Because you, you do look Mexican. R- Ronaldinho. Yeah, you, know, you ever heard that? Godinho. Godinho. No, exactly. Not. No, yeah, but that's. that's but you do look Mexican. So. I pass for a lot of stuff, man. I pass for a lot of stuff. I get Mexican. I get half black, half white. Okay. I get Cuban, Puerto yeah, I, Rican. I never know. I haven't how gotten to, Chinese or Japanese, so that's good. But you know, I never know how to how to describe you. They're like, oh, which one's your? Oh, Jay's the um, the dark guy. <laughs> Because no, it, it, it's all right though. Because I, I feel like I'm a, a chameleon. I can it, blend with I can blend with any culture. I like that. And yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, listen listen to his voice here. So you get, oh you got a, you got a nice voice on the mic. You got to listen to. I'm for, just trying to catch up to you, Jay. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. sure. All right. So let me let me. You guys know how I do it. I like to kind of paint the picture here and go back and, and let you guys know how we met. And so Jason and I met roughly about 11, 12 years ago. 2011, I think, was the first time. I thought I met. it was earlier than that because. I was with my ex, Addy. Who was it a small, the smaller location or the larger location? You had it was the big room. one, right? Like the huge, huge showroom we had. Could be. I, I mean, where was a smaller location? Let's ballpark. Let's ten, 11, 12 years Still a decade. De- definitely a decade. Oh, for sure a decade. Yeah. No doubt about yeah. it. Because it was definitely at least 11. Yeah. And so he came in and we just you know, got some furniture and then you guys came back again, got some more furniture. So I, we really didn't, you know, we weren't like friends. We were just acquaintances yeah. at best. I met your brother. Um, and then, uh, and then, and I mean, literally we went seven years, mm-hmm. eight years before uh, my, my good friend Kat, who was on the show, Katrin, uh, if you guys haven't watched her episode, it is phenomenal because she dealt with life. She's been dealing with lifelong anxiety, and it's one of the ones we're getting the most feedback on. But that's another. So if you haven't tuned into Cats, check hers out. But Cat texts me about three, four years ago, and says, "I think you know my boyfriend." And I'm like, "Well, who is it?" She sends me a picture, and it's Jason. Yeah. And I said, "You got to be kidding me! That's my my guy right there." And so anyway, then all of a sudden, you know, we were still kind of acquainted, but then we started hanging out a little bit, doing the double dinner date nights a little right. bit the last couple of years. And recently, you know, all of our, let's call it a kind of our faith journey, I would think we would want to call this, is how yeah. we're really being brought together even more now through Awakened Church, right? our newly uh, enhanced uh, faith journey, which Kat kind of followed us along here. And then, of course, you're with Kat. You came to support her. And we're, we're going to get more into this later, by yeah. the way. But I just kind of want to set the tone here of how we met and how we're now in each other's lives right. on a, literally on a regular basis, which is fascinating in itself. But it's really cool. You know what I mean? Because I always is. had a lot of respect for you, Jason. I've always known that he's, he's always he's a very successful guy. Um, and frankly, frankly, man, and people are going to now you're going to you're going to watch me actually get to know Jason on video and audio today because i that's i know that you what what's some of your businesses that you've had over the years or that or like touch just touch on the ones that i know about yeah because from what because yeah. also people ladies and gentlemen are telling me that he's got quite the story to tell today <laughs> yeah. don't so don't, don't I, I won't get into that don't yeah. get into that yet yeah, yeah. get no. into the ones that i know about yeah well when in uh <laughs> to start kind of to start the story as yeah. far as uh what you would just want to know what businesses yeah uh, so I've been involved with credit card processing, right. uh, merchant services, yep. setting up business to accept credit cards for payment with my brother and, yep. and Gary, yep. his yep. wife, uh, since 2006. Yep. And then uh, I started my real estate development company in 2012. Uh, so I 
essentially look to syndicate funds, start a project that we can add value to, and then essentially sell it or hold, develop it, and then uh, sell it. So it's not quick flips. It's uh, more like adding value to projects that may, may not have, uh, you know, at glance value to somebody else. Right. So adding additional units, ADUs, accessory dwelling units, things of that nature, building second stories, thing, you know, various stuff to where even just entitling a piece of property with uh, permits and things of that nature, then that's value added. Sell that to somebody else who wants to build it out. So that's the real estate development company. Yep. And then most recently, we started Catalyst Wellness, yep. uh, which is our wellness clinic in La Jolla, as you know. Uh, you know, that's specifically geared around changing people's quality of life through identifying where their hormonal imbalances are. Because hormones actually contribute, contribute to your personality. And it's an outward reflection of how you're feeling internally. So if you're deficient or imbalanced, that's going to project itself into the real world. Your attitude, your vitality, your energy levels, your focus could be all affected significantly by the fact that your hormone levels are off. And so your approach to life and outlook in life in general can be severely taxed by your internal status. And so, Jason, on that note right there, by the way, uh, when we've, we've aired Kat's video, you've gotten quite a few clients already yes. coming to get their blood panels because they listen to her <laughs> thing. So we're going we're gonna to get more on this, by the way, because this part which I've been going to you guys for a little over a year now, I believe, right. right? And I've never, I'm at 51 years old, and I can tell you I've never felt this good in my life. That's amazing. It's yeah. unreal, dude. Yeah. And, and and I've worked out a long time and for 30 years, give or take, but, but once I started going to you guys, and, and I literally just had my blood panel back last week, and even right. the doc was shocked. He's like, your cholesterol's like, your triglycerides are going down. Like, so guys, and I'll, I'll reiterate this, if you're, if you're not getting regular blood panels, how important is regular blood panels? Well, okay. it's, it's, you know, it's flying by the seat of your pants if you don't have them. Yep. Whether you're, let's say, doing competitions, whether you're doing lifestyle, or if you've never gotten it before, it's like ignoring your car that you drive every day to and from work, you know, playtime, engagements, whatever the case may be, never getting a checkup on your vehicle at any interval whatsoever. It's like, oh, I'm just going to drive this car into the dirt. Yeah. Well, you're probably going to get to the dirt sooner rather than later if you never have a mechanic check it out and give it a diagnostic run-through, right? Yeah. And the mechanic can tell you, hey, you got things that you need to address now. You may have things you can address in six months from now. And this may be a year out. You know, maybe you don't need new tires for another year. But he can tell you that. And you may not know that. Or maybe he tells you your tires are a year past due date, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of the similar uh, aspect of what blood work helps the doctor let you know in regards to your internal status. What are the things that you need to correct right now? Otherwise, you're gonna continue in that danger zone that could lead to something catastrophic or just take years off your life that you would actually like to have, right? So it may not be catastrophic, but if you never get that blood work, you just don't know what you don't know. And so let me let me clear something up here. I wanna make sure this is, because I got, a, I got every type of person listening and watching this podcast now. Is this for everybody? Like, cause I, cause you see, like, look, look at, you know, we're, we're dialed in here. We're yeah. physically looking pretty jacked here. Um, so my, a lot of people and, and look at same thing, cats, a specimen. So yep. people might think that, okay, this is just for meatheads and bodybuilders. And is this for any person like watching or th like sedentary hasn't worked out in 10 mm -hmm. years, anybody? Yeah. It's uh, you know, no matter what kind of car you drive, yeah. it still needs to be checked out at some point in time. So absolutely. It, 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 it's not that realistically somebody needs to come in and get our therapy in terms of a long-term plan, but the diagnostics is truly doing yourself a service, a solid service, because yeah. you can find out what decisions you need to make about your personal health and well-being moving forward 
that you don't that you didn't necessarily know you needed to make because that information was not presented to you. Right. So when you find out about, hey, my testosterone is low, maybe that's why I'm not feeling as you know much of a butt kicker when I wake up in the morning. Oh, okay, that would help me. Sure. Uh, maybe I'm falling asleep in the middle of the day, so that would help me. Uh, yes, maybe I'm not feeling as excited at nighttime with my partner. Yeah. Oh, that would help me. Okay, that makes sense. Like this is now something I could consider doing versus just being ignorant about where your levels are at and not knowing that there is actually something that can help you. So yes, whether you're sedentary, whether you never work out, whether your diet's poor, these things can assist you. Now patient compliance is a huge part of this where if they're compliant with their diet, their nutrition, uh, their exercise, their rest, and they tie in the, the care plan or the treatment protocols that the doctor is recommending for them, it's gonna catapult them to the next yeah. level of you know fitness or health and wellness. If they really wanna get to, you know, your size, give them 20, 30 years, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, just at least making a, uh, turning the corner and being healthy versus having a poor quality of life is, is really the key. And so Jason, what would you say uh, percentage-wise, if you could ballpark a percentage of how many people, what's the magic age you're thinking where things start to really decline? Is it 30 where hormones start to decline and go wacko? There are certain hormones that tend to decline sooner, like for example, DHEA, yeah. that's a hormone in our body that's a contributor hormone uh, to your mood, to your wellness, to building muscle, to losing fat, so forth. It's actually a precursor or known as one step before testosterone and estrogen. It converts to those two, so it's a precursor for that reason. That peaks when we're 25, and then it goes on a severe decline that's actually mm. been recorded and through blood work, it goes on a severe decline from there. So wow. that's something that, you know, just by taking a DHEA supplement from a reputable company, and knowing that it is reputable by one, getting your blood work before and then getting your blood work after for DHA specifically would help you identify if it's if it's verifiably a good company. But that in and of itself could make a significant impact when you're younger. You don't necessarily need to get on testosterone when you're younger. Right. But there are people that have come in and their stress levels are so high, cortisol, that that's affected their overall hormonal imbalance in and of itself. That is actually, I think it's the percentage may be in the 70s as far as how much of a dramatic impact stress and cortisol levels inside the body affect your overall health and what type of you know, afflictions, diseases, viruses, um, cancers that your body could be susceptible to based on the elevations of stress in your body. And nowadays, everyone has so many different stressors. The best thing for them to go on that they think is, hey, give me some medications. Mm. I mean, you guys already talked about exactly. that, so we won't dive too far into that, but that is the, and through advertising, that's the easiest way that people find relief. The shortest or least path of uh, resistance, you know, is let me go get some over-the-counter medications. And what we're attempting to do is say, hey, put that aside. Don't spend, you know, most of your time dealing with the side effects of those medications. Let's go attack the root cause of your symptoms, right? So don't treat over, uh, your symptoms with over-the-counter meds. Let's go to the root cause and mitigate and eliminate, hopefully over time, those symptoms. And so, and that's, dude, this is so huge, man. Now, why, why aren't traditional doctors, for the most part, advising, why are they just saying, let's, let me just prescribe a, a quick fix pill mm -hmm. that will, quote unquote, take away your anxiety, right. rather than say, hey, guess what? Let's go to the root cause. Is, can we sum that up in a... Yeah, and in short, it's, it's based off of our healthcare system and the fact that our healthcare system is reactive, mm -hmm. not preventative. And so when somebody's actually needs something, it's 
it, it, like in, for example, anxiety medication, if they did their blood work versus saying, oh, go ahead and take an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication, a Zoloft or whatever the case, whatever the, the name of the drug is, if they did their blood work and saw that their testosterone levels were low or that their vitamin D was low or whatever other deficiency that they had and addressed it that way, and replace those or brought them back to their optimal level, more than likely it could clear the deck of that anxiety. Mm. It still takes some time. But they're not suited in terms of the insurance industry to follow that practice. What they're suited to do is, this was the book I had to learn from. You have this uh, affliction, this is the medication, the medication that you get, right? And so, or the pharmaceutical to put it more specific. So this is the pharmaceutical drug that I studied in my school, and this is what's recommended for you, Mr. Patient, based on the symptoms that you're telling me. So that box is what they operate in. To come outside of that box and to go and learn a whole different evaluation and diagnostic process of we're gonna start with somebody's blood work, then we're gonna integrate that into their symptoms and into their goals, and then truly give them a treatment recommendation form off of that, that's more unique, that's more preventative, that is absolutely preventative, yep. and not reactive. So short answer is that. Yes. It's, it's our healthcare system covers reactive medication, not preventative protocols. And would you, would you agree with the fact that this has a lot to do with the fact that that route that they're taught under makes the system a lot more money? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, right? Yeah. Like sick I mean, people make us money. Is that correct? The system? It does, man. We've had experience in, in our clinic with that. We, uh, you know, we try to help. This is a common case, so I'm going to bring it up. We have a lot of men that come in with, a, uh, let's say, uh, EDD. EDD, but also just in, a, in terms of arousal overall, yeah. you know, and that desire aspect. That's one of the things that suffers as we grow older and we have a lower testosterone level. So we have men that come in and testosterone does take a little bit of time to kick in, right? It's going to take roughly, I call it a bell curve of distribution. You have 80% of people that will respond to it pretty well in, let's say, roughly four to six weeks. You'll have 10% of that uh, remaining 20% of individuals that will get it right off the bat. Like, they'll feel any ener energized, recharged, ready to go. And then there's 10% of people that may have a delayed response to that. And that's because everybody has a different drug metabolism and a different dose response curve, as we call it, right? So because of that, we have some guys that are still need something to bridge the gap mm. between the time that it kicks in and they start to feel better and they start to feel more confident and they get that performance you know, um, back, so to speak. So we had an instance where a gentleman came in and said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely enrolling in this plan. Can I get something in the meantime to help me out? Can I get Silas in the meantime? So we placed an order for Silas and in the pharmaceutical list uh, from the pharmacy that we, we um, order from there was a couple different uh cialis line items one of them was generic cialis and the other one was cialis by name brand mm. so we ordered 30 pills for that person the bill came out to 2400 dollars, and i was like what in the world is this so generic cialis i think was like five dollars no i'm sorry it was uh Three dollars. Uh, it, it was very low. Yeah, this was the name brand. Alice called up the pharmacy. Said, "What in the world is going on?" They're like, "This is the generic, or this is the, the generic pricing." You guys selected the 
the name brand. So that's why it's that much because we build insurance companies. Wow. You're that was that was my me. first experience with understanding how the system plays plays Unbelievable. Eighty dollars a pill. And well, that's, that's what pill. and that because that would be covered by insurance in normal circumstances, that's why it goes down like that. And and so and this is just one one one, one. example of how many? Hundreds, thousands of medications. Yeah. So so how much overbilling is happening in our in our Absolutely. Unreal. You've right? heard the, the <laughs> astronomical prices of some of these re, you know, research drugs that just get approved by the FDA and then come out and it's like goes up to $700 a pill and it's like insurance is being billed for that. And it's how, how are Americans supposed to handle the cost of their insurance if these are the pill costs for their medications? <laughs> it just keeps driving it up and up and up and up and up. So, you know, that, that to me right there, like well, that was, and that was very early in our, yeah. um, in our, uh, uh, in an infancy of opening so th- it was it just confirmed every reason why we started what we started yeah and since then we've never ordered that <laughs> obviously <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> made that mistake again but man that was like wow 80 dollars jd for one pill man it was, as opposed to five or ten bucks yeah yeah that's insane all right so and by the way, and, and one of the biggest reasons I brought Jason on the show here is because you're already hearing his knowledge, his his freaking knowledge of the the human body and physiology and uh, the way it operates is uh, it's, it's and I know 20, 30, 40, 50 gurus in my lifetime that know more than I will ever even want to know. And Jason literally is at the top of that list as being one of the most knowledgeable guys, which is why one of the main reasons I brought him on today to share this information. So if you're listening or watching that, hopefully you're inspired to, even if you're just, you're, you don't work out, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. Get your blood panels, start getting monitored, um, catalyst wellness. So I want, and, and, and we're gonna, so we're gonna get back on this stuff because I okay. love listening to you speak about everything with the human body and how it reacts. And so we're gonna get deeper into the stuff. However, everybody knows how I do this. Now we're gonna go back and start peeling back some layers from right. as Jason Godino as we know him and don't know him yet. So that time warp kind of view. Yeah, time warp. Now, we're, <laughs> now you're in your wheelhouse there. Yeah. Now let's go back and, and peel back the layers, sure, okay? Fine. Let's find out where this guy came from. Yeah. We know he's dark. Um, he looks Mexican. He looks kind of black. <laughs> we got to take off my hat so people can see. No, yeah, he's got. And by the way, he's wearing the legendary gear. Uh, legendary was our emerge team. Oh, yeah. we, we absolutely an- annihilated it. So he's wearing his Next gear. Next year, numero uno, baby. That's right, baby. To yeah. this year, we took home out of fifty-one teams. We were fifth overall. We were a couple seconds away from second or third maybe one or two matches away from winning the whole mm-hmm. thing so that, that that next year that's we'll, we'll be doing this i think our whole team's resigned they are they, they yeah. in 48 hours were resigned yeah. 48 yeah. hours we had yeah. more signups for our merge team than anybody yeah. else we had 60 signups in 48 hours yeah. after last event yeah. which is i don't think that's ever been done before yeah. all right so that we're good on that too all right so let's go back give me give me where where were you born <laughs> so i was born i was born in india okay. bombay yeah. uh you know major uh, metropolitan city uh, there. It's not called Mumbai. It was renamed back in the, I think, 90s. And my parents actually moved here when I was 18 months old. Mm. So don't have too much of a memory of back there. Uh, but they, act- they my, my mom's brother was stationed out here. So he was in uh, the military, whatever. Can't even tell you the whole story as far as what service he was in. But he was stationed out here. And that's how they got their green card to come out. And so your brother, had he, he had already obviously made the move. Uh, 
How did he make them? Or was he born here? My, uh, my no, no, her brother. brother. Sorry, mom's brother. Yeah, no, uh, th- th- he was not born here. He was born in India as well. Yeah, but okay. what, wherever his travels, his service, yeah, got him out here in San Diego. Gotcha. Yeah, and so my parents, uh, you know, back in the eighties, uh, the whole dream for, I believe, immigrants in general, people who are not U.S. citizens and who are not in the U.S., the the it was the American dream for right. them. Yeah, and the interesting thing about Asian cultures is that it's all about your kids and that's my parents made the biggest sacrifice for my brother and I to come here for our benefit and my dad was a big I mean you want to talk ballers he was a baller back home really yeah yeah he had uh dojos which are martial arts uh, studios that were you know thousands of students that he would train so he's a he's a fifth or sixth degree black belt you're kidding me in a in a martial arts style called kitsugo and it's a blend of four different martial arts. It's called karate, savate, which is flat hand, palm action, uh, striking, and then aikido, yeah. which is using you know somebody else's energy against them, and then judo, which is a lot of grappling and throwing and so forth. So in that four styles, uh, he became fifth don or sixth don as it's known, sensei or sensei uh, for for that. So he had students. He was training the 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 Indian military, the Indian police force. He was like, yeah, he was up there. Wow, yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. So he he gave all of that up for my brother and I to come here because he wanted, my parents wanted us to have, you know, the education that America mm-hmm. provided. They wanted us to get the good job and have the white picket fence and the family and all that stuff. You know, that, that to them was the cultural dream that passed on generations as far as, this country, America, land of the free and opportunity, actually for them, free opportunity was what they came here for. But let me ask you this. Since he was so successful, he had all these dojos, why wouldn't he just say, hey, you guys are going to take over the business? Or Absolutely, right? Yeah. That, that to me is the profound gift that they gave us, yeah. you know, because uh, I couldn't see myself relocating to another country where I only knew one other person and had no business there and completely rolling in success in my existing country. It's incredible. And I'm just, like, I'm just gonna give this up for my kids. It's wow. the most selfless thing you can possibly do. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. So uh, that ties into, you know, where my brother and I get this emotional connection to where we can't let people down because. Because of their sacrifice. Oh man, I love that. Listen up, folks. Listen up. Because we've talked about this on other podcasts yeah. before. People who have come here from another country. <clears throat> and already, bro, I, I didn't even know this. Yeah. It's Is huge. It, I mean, think about if we, if you did that for your kids, right? Like, that's, man, that's unimaginable yeah. to think about that. And that, 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 is, that is actually commonplace, like I said, for the people of in other countries who looked at America as a land of opportunity back in that time. And they still do to this day, you know? But... That's to actually say, hey, I want to do that and then do that and then work two jobs, like work jobs nine to five to, to make sacrifices. So my brother went to USC and my parents, you know, helped obviously pay for that. He got some loans himself, too. And then I went to SDSU. I was going to go to USC as well, but my dad didn't want to, me to leave San Diego, mm. you know, and he's like, oh, I'll get you a car so you can commute to, you know, SDSU. And I was like, yeah, OK, well, I did I was going to actually uh, do criminal justice uh, as a major, and I did enroll in criminal justice as a major as SDSU. 
And then I switched to kinesiology, which is a yeah. exercise, nutrition, and health focus, the study of the body, movement, so forth. And then I ended up switching to business management um, and finished off with that degree. So I've, I've completed the, the college uh, requirement uh, that my parents, you know, made the sacrifice for us to come and do, which was important. But then we started working for somebody, and I was like, oh, man, we're never working for somebody again after working for, you know, who we work for as far as that goes. We learned how not to run a business yeah. working for somebody else. Who, who's we, you and Logan? Yeah. Yeah, we were. So he came back from USC. I know we're fast forwarding a little bit, yeah. but he came back from USC when he graduated and then got a, um, got a job with a co- company that's uh, engineering company that's selling software. He was selling software to engineers to create printed circuit boards. And printed circuit boards are those green boards that we used to see back in the day yeah. that go into computers and stuff. And now they're as small as, you know, even smaller than your phone these days. But that's what goes in there. And that has all the kind of intelligence behind it. So. Engineers in their minds use the software to create that printed circuit board. And so they need something that's high power that they can, you know, design all the stuff. We work with companies like Tesla and Seagate and all those, you know, Raytheon defense contractors as far as working with those engineers to sell that software. And when I when I graduate or actually before I graduated, um, I was the head trainer for SDSU as far as the Aztec Recreation Center. So I was not an athletic trainer working with the sports programs. I was actually training people in the community and students as far as getting their physical fitness together. So at some point in time, they said to me, hey, listen, you got to make a decision. You can't be the head trainer and train clients. We're going to an independent contractor format. Mm. So it was going to be a conflict of interest. And my brother said, listen, I'll get you an interview with my company. After that, it's up to you what you do. And he's like, you don't have any software sales experience. And so when I went into the interview and I ended up interviewing with six people, the vice president said to me, hey, you don't have any software sales experience. Why do you want to work here? <laughs> and I said, well, I heard my brother's number one in this company. He's like, yes, he is. And I said, I want to kick his ass. And so he's like, all right, laugh just like you did. And then a week later, he said, all right, you're hired. So I love that. Yeah. First year I was there, I was just learning. Second year I was there, I finished 50,000 underneath my brother as far as number two. And third year I was there, I ended up finishing up number one, but he left. Yeah. Uh, 10 months into the sales year. So he said, I can't count that as a win. I'm like, get, ah. out, of here. get out of here with that stuff. So, uh, you know, we always had a healthy competition as far as that goes. But that's uh, that's when we learned how not to run a company. You know, oh, really? working for them. Yeah. 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 That company was based out of Australia. They had a U.S. satellite sales office. My brother and I sold 33% of that company's business and we were not making commission. Oh, my. Are you kidding me? Yeah. How did you stay motivated? We got some like bonuses. Other than each but, other. Yeah, but some bonuses and stuff like that, but it was not a direct monthly commission. Then they went to a change to a commission plan, but after that, it was like, hey, listen, this is not for us. Working right. for somebody else is not for us. We need to, you know, step out and do our own thing. So that's. that's and you're what, happened. 41 right now? 41. Yep. 41. And your brother is 43? 43, yeah. 43, okay. <clears throat> so going going back, because you jumped out, you jumped ahead. Yeah, I did. You I jumped did. ahead I on did, me did, there. You know, you know how this goes, right? I got I to bring it back a little bit here. Reel it in, reel it in. All right, so <laughs> give me high school. Where'd you go to high school? Uh, we went to St. Augustine High School, so all boys Catholic high school. Oh, really? Yeah, not by choice, but you know, yeah, not by choice. That okay, was, that was a parents' dream, man. That was we went to. This is here in San Diego. Yeah, yeah, we, or North Park. So North we, Park. Yeah, uh, we went to uh, <laughs> Catholic elementary school. We went to Catholic high school, and then I went from an all boys Catholic high school to San Diego State. Yeah, that, oh, was, that was okay. interesting. Okay, that was an interesting. First, all right, hold first up. semester. Hold you, up. You can imagine. Hold yeah. up. <laughs> Let's go back. Yeah. Give, give me the first one. There was all boys. What was it? The the elementary school? Uh, yeah. All, no, elementary school was was mixed. It was, it was mixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but, a normal public school. No private. Oh, private. Yeah. Okay, normal yeah. private school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then how was that? 
Do you remember anything from it? Any? any yeah, I remember getting bullied. Really? I remember, I remember getting made fun of. Why? Because we didn't. I didn't have a pair of Nike since I, till I was thirteen. So it was because you weren't dressing up to. We speed? had a uniform, but you know, just being being quote unquote an immigrant. Yeah. At that point in time, and being in a school full of other Mexican children, which it's funny that you you said that yeah. earlier, but. I would still stand out. I wasn't. I wasn't looking like a Mexican, you know, per, per se. And that's nothing negative. I was right, a lot of good right, buddies right, there, right, right. Uh, Mexican. But they would point me out as being, you know, somebody that's Indian versus part of their culture, so yeah. to speak. So yeah, we. I get bullied and made fun of um, once again for not having, you know, the, the shoes or whatever other stuff they had. So, and it was all because my parents were cinching their belts up so my they would have the money to put my brother and and myself in any college that we want you know essentially decided to go to and was your brother also getting uh picked yeah, on yeah, and bullied? Yeah, yeah. yeah um you know picked on and bullied yeah exactly i mean kids are kids are just not yeah they're ruthless yeah 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 so so did did, did he did he ever come to your like defense and did that ever no because it was uh he was two years ahead so this was so elementary school, we actually went to public school one year, and then we went to this other school, the, the private um, elementary school. Yeah. But you know, in different classes, he's two years ahead, so he yeah. doesn't always see that stuff. Right. Yeah. Okay, so this is pri so private elementary school, and then w which one was the all boys? Saint, was, Saint Augustine. This was high school. Yeah, Saints. So what? Why did he make the decision, or they, your parents, make the decision to put you in an all boys school rather than just go to another private school? Catholic faith, man. Really? Yeah. They're devout Catholics. Devout or, Catholics. My grandmother was. She's the one that you know got me into the Bible, yeah. the rosaries, uh, all that stuff when I was younger. Uh, I mean, my parents did too, but that yeah. was you know generational passed down as far as I. And go, so, give so. me give me your childhood as far as were you in you for sure church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the other one? CCD. No, it was it was just church. It was That's just church it. on Sundays. Uh, you know, prayers, um, dinner time prayers. Uh, you know, reading the Bible, that type of stuff. But uh, what I didn't like growing up is seeing that people that went to church still had a disconnect when they left the church. Right. And so and the other part that troubled me internally, which I was only as I got older, as I reflected on, was that Catholic priests go to seminary school. And so they're meant they're required to be celibate and not, you know, engage with uh, the opposite sex, so to speak. And they're not allowed to have a relationship with a female in terms of and being married, all that stuff. But then they get on the pulpit and then they speak about how you're supposed to operate in your marriage with your kids and they unfortunately don't have the experiential knowledge. They are getting kind of third party knowledge and wisdom. And yes, some of it they're drawing from the Bible, that's yeah. great. But it's like a coach drawing from a playbook if the coach has never played whatever sport it is they're trying to coach. Right. That just doesn't have a lot of credibility with me. And I felt like that is probably one of the reasons why people that go to Catholic church end up just reverting right back to the things that they say they're not going to do the, the day they're in church or the hour that they're in church, and then yet they go back and essentially do everything they just said, I want forgiveness for. And, you know, my parents are great teachers, uh, and hopefully most parents are, but you can teach in two ways. You can teach how to do something, and you could teach someone how not to do something. And we learned a whole lot about how not to do things yeah. or how not to think through our parents. At least my, I could speak for my brother and myself because we've had this conversation before. So they would pray for stuff, but yet they would still worry about stuff. Hmm. It's not, that's not a knock on them. That's just, I think once again, that's just maybe more cultural. There's certain things that they observed their parents doing and then they didn't break that trend. But I said to myself independently of my brother, I was like, 
why would I pray this hard and still worry about what I just put all my effort into prayers about? This, that makes absolutely no sense. It's a contradiction. So if I pray, and I've done, and it's not just praying, because God helps those who help themselves. It's if I've done every single thing that I could possibly do, in addition to praying, then I'm going to sleep at night every day perfectly well. In 30 seconds or less, I still fall asleep. Cat's super annoyed at me for that still. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is the way I function. Granted, I still had my moments when I was younger uh, where I was still troubled by, you know, wouldn't say an anxiety, but I had my times where I was like, oh man, I can't sleep. I'm like, my mind is racing. And it, it just it just had to come to a point for me where I was like, the realization is it's the God powers within you to say, I'm going to pray, I'm going to execute, and I'm going to sleep in that sense. Like, it's like, there's no reason to frustrate yourself after hours when you can't do anything about it. If you haven't done what you needed to do during the daytime, by all means, you should kick yourself, you know. Yeah. But if you've done it all and you've prayed, then leave it in God's hands at that point in time. So, <clears throat> so I'm so glad this came up because um, I don't think there's a person listening or watching that doesn't have an issue falling asleep. Mm -hmm. I, really do, I really think that. Yeah. You're like a, a freaking anomaly like I wouldn't believe. Like, like you wouldn't believe. So that let's let me let's dig in on that real quick because that's so big, dude. Because I know when I can't sleep, it's because I'm thinking about the next day, um, things I got to do. A lot of times, it's because I'm pretty excited too. Yeah. Like I'm excited about what I do. I'm excited about getting up. I'm excited about doing what I do here with the mattress company and this, of course this podcast. Yeah. So sometimes my mind's racing because I'm, I can't wait to wake up. So right. sometimes that's the case. And, that, and that's positive as ever, man. 100%. When you when you wake up and you haven't slept because you're so excited about the day, it's like, yeah. you're not tired. Right. You're just ready to go. You know, take take hold of the world. That said, it's more times than not. It's quote unquote stress right. about okay I got cash flow I got to make a payment to American Express I got to make a payment to here hopefully will people will come in hopefully we do sales hopefully this hopefully that you know yeah. there's anxiety attached to it which is what <clears throat> I think most people experience <clears throat> in, in some way shape or form do you know right. what I'm saying yeah so what you're saying is makes so much sense you know what I mean you just gave it everything you had that day pray about it mm-hmm and that's it. Leave it in God's hands and go to bed. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, through all this process of kind of being coming back to uh, having Jesus in the center of my life and God in the center of my life, it makes sense when, you know, there has been a, there was a certain amount of time that uh, through the last decade where I didn't necessarily have Jesus and God in the center of my life. Still had my, still had quote unquote my faith. Yeah. Still believed in them, never lost that. But if you marginalize God and Jesus, your results will be marginal, mm. right? And if you bring them to the center and you really trust in them, then your table will be overflowing in terms of you just can't eat it all up. Yeah, the abundance. The abundance. So that's within just the last several months, that's just, you know, just recentering that. And yeah. of course, yeah. the irony is Kat was the one with no faith who brought me back. Unbelievable. You know, to to the execution and more of the active faith, if you will, uh, and so it's it's hilarious. It's like God has a sense of humor. He does you know? <laughs> this story? This yeah. story, and I just now I just got goosebump everywhere. This story that we're building here together, uh, our two families, is unreal, man. And we're gonna get more into. I can't yeah. wait to dig in more because 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 I again and and people are you're getting you're gonna watch me get to know Jason today here. 
like because I know you just as a smooth guy, nothing ruffles your feathers, nothing gets you ex- like overly. You just he's always smooth. Nothing bothers him. And so, and I know always knew that you were um, uh, very uh, a, a man of faith. Yeah. But to watch you now, now you're at church. Yeah. And I remember when I first, you're like, yeah. And, and now I know why, because mm-hmm. what you saw as a kid is people that, and this is what I had always seen in my life is right. kind of people that were hypocritical, people that went to church and then didn't live godly lives. Yeah. That's all I've seen. That's yeah. why I stayed out of the churches. I'm like, oh, I don't need any part of this. Right. I'm more godly than they are. I don't need yeah. to be in a church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then Awaken comes along and all that flipped you know then i saw people that actually were the same in and the same out mm-hmm. the first the kind of leaders of this church yep. are, right you we, see congruence you know and, congruence, that, and you can follow that yes. versus finding a disinterest in the simple fact that people are saying or they're they're taking these actions but that's more like going through the motions yeah and then really not executing when it's game time you have a walk through the day before the game right to make sure yeah yeah this stuff is going the, the way it's supposed to go and then you get pressure put on you and you fold immediately yeah that's that doesn't vibe with me. So yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. When you see it, you see it being you know consistent. Then it's like okay, that's something I can buy Exa- into. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the people the other the other way just basically just checking the box. Mm-hmm. They're check. Okay, I went to church. Check. I said my prayers at church. Cool. Now right. I can just go back and do what I want, yes. and then come back a week yes. later and yes. and ask for prayer. It's and, a very flimsy commitment. Yeah. It's like come on, guys, yeah. step it up. Right. All right. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Okay. So where are we at here? We're at, we're at all boys. Yeah. Catholic, Catholic school. school. Give me some. Let's give me a few minutes on that. Like, give me some memories of that. Like, what's it like? Now, now, hold on, hold yeah. on. Did you have any girlfriends creeping around in like elementary school, or were the parents like, you can't date a girl, you can't even look at a girl? No, no. I mean, no. You know, I, I, I tried to kiss a girl. Actually, I did in, in like second or third grade. <laughs> did you really? Yeah, my brother tried to blackmail me because he, he found out about it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't kiss her on the lips. It was just like kissed her on the cheek, but yeah. she was, you know, name was Michelle. It's so pretty, blue eyes. I mean, oh, I still remember. oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelle, if you're listening, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know. I don't even remember her last name. Can't oh. remember. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh, you know, and then in uh, in grade school or elementary school, so seventh, eighth grade, I think I was uh, another gal that I that we kind of went quote unquote the word was go steady back yes. then, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we know that word. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of the some of the youngsters don't of course. know what that means. Yeah, steady. Yeah, exactly. What is that? Uh, so that was that was eighth grade, and then after that, no, it was high school. So we had a sister school, as they call it, mm-hmm. uh, called Our Lady of Peace, oh, and that was a mile and a half down from where we were at, but. You know, you're not driving it. You just start high school, 13, yeah. 14 years old. Uh, we saw them at dances, and then some of the gals would come over for uh, cheer. No, I don't think they did cheerleading practice over there. I can't remember. They came over some of the football practices and stuff. But that, when you got that kind of interaction as we got older and got into like you know football as juniors, seniors, and so forth. So and so, did you play football in high school? Or so my parents wanted us to focus on. You know our studies. Of course, yeah. that was their biggest thing. I right. mean, God bless their hearts, man. They're awesome parents, phenomenal. We wouldn't be here, obviously, because if it wasn't for them. Not in front of their sacrifice, but they raised my brother and I with such phenomenal values. Uh, you know, that's what that's what makes us who yeah. we are today. But their focus was like, hey, you got to go to school. Anything regarding school, they would pay for. But in high school, and so they didn't even really research the extracurriculars. They were just like school, 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 school. Yeah. So if I could have played freshman football. We didn't. Yeah, because I didn't know that they had freshman football as a program, and uh, so then sophomore year, 
I ended up trying out. I ended up getting cut because I didn't go to all the football workouts in the morning. We were supposed to wake up at 5 a.m. Go to it was a 5 a.m. workout, 6 a.m. workouts before school started. Yeah, and so this is high school. High school, yeah. And I didn't make those workouts. I didn't show the commitment that I needed to, uh, to show. And the coach was like, "Hey, we got too many people on the roster. Like, had you made it to more of these, you'd probably have been in." What? Why didn't you show? I was I was just not committed. I was just like, yeah, took it took it lightly. It was like, man, I could just get in, you know, just by going half half assed. And obviously, that didn't cut it. So <laughs> that that was probably a major turning point for me. As far as making sure if I wanted to do something, I better go all in. Follow, follow through. Yeah, exactly. Be now, consistent. Show up. Next question is, why in the hell are they practicing at 5 or 6 a.m. in high school? That's absurd. Yeah, why would they it do was that? just workout, like, uh, workouts during off season, so leading up to the season, yeah. right? And so it's like to get you, do your clean and jerk, power cleans, do your squats. I mean, it's like you're a football team. You'd have to have, you know, you're a young kid. You need to get in the weight room. Yeah, but high school, why not after school? I, I think actually it, it makes you understand the value of, of actually waking up early. And well, there's no question about you know? that. But, but still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just worried about when you got to take little Johnny, def- little Johnny to, yeah, to, to stop, work out at 6 a.m. I, like, I don't want to get, get off yeah. my real deal sleep mattress here, uh, my system, my yeah. zero gravity system. No, but that's, yeah, yeah no, that was it. That was, uh, but it made an impact, right? Because we had Tuesday, Thursday, off-season uh, um, what do you call it? Sprint workouts as well after school, so there was there was stuff okay. after school as well, but you know from a from a team aspect, getting everybody there, working out, supporting each other, I saw the value of it after I fully committed. Right. You know when you're just once again it's marginalized, right? You yeah. bring something to the center, you start to get the results that you want. You keep it on the periphery, and you're going to get those marginal results because yeah. you're marginalizing the importance of it. Yeah, it makes and, sense. Yeah, and so that's. Uh, Junior year, all in, um, named the captain. <laughs> of oh, yeah. Course. Yeah, I mean, I was at every single workout. I was at every single um, after school uh, sprinting session, stayed longer, senior year captain as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I only had two years, though. And so it, it was a great experience as far as being on a team. And we, bo- we went to the, um, we went to the, played at the Qualcomm before it was torn oh, really? down. Yeah, two years in a row. Lost the Oceanside the first year, and then lost the Mission Bay the second year, both by under a field goal. We blame our kicker. No, I'm just kidding. We know it was a team. team it, it was just like a championship. Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. So division, uh, division CIF Division Three championship. Wow. Yeah. Now, what would you say, real quick, that you what what did you learn? Like, what did sports do for you? Like, just even even though it was only two years, like to to make you who you are, Jason, mm-hmm. a well-rounded person. Parents were focusing on academics. For the parents that are listening, like, okay, do I get my kids involved in sports? Like, I hear this a lot, especially yeah. football. Yeah. What would you say that that did for you? With any sport, you know, I think it teaches you that discipline and commitment to uh, really be consistent because you're not going to get results with just pulsing in and out of something. Yeah. Like, you have to be there, like, mind, body, spirit. If If you're an individual sport, same thing, right? But when you play on a team and you have other guys that rely on you, you have to step up your game because you have to have their back, especially if you're hoping that they have yours. Yeah. Right? You can't expect them to have your back and then you're like, eh, well, I'm going to check out here. This play, I'm going to give it half my effort. No, and the quarterback's going to get killed, you know, whatever the, whatever your position may be. So that unity that comes out of that when everybody's on the same page and that chemistry, I mean, it took a lot to get to the championships. Yeah, we lost, but you still win when you lose at that level. You know, and so the amount of uh, just 
kind of uh, forging that happens under that type of pressure as far as who you become is extremely important because you're not going to get that if you're not participating in that. And I don't mean by participation trophies. I just mean by you're fully plugged in. Yeah. You know, and your energy is tied into your next guy's energy. So that discipline, that consistency, the results that you get is, is phenomenal in terms of how it shapes your mentality moving forward. And you learn how to be selfless, you know, more yeah. selfless and less selfish because you have to contribute to a greater purpose where other people are also have to help. And it can't just be based off of your efforts alone or you can't just, hey, I'm going to just defer to this person to put in the effort. And, and Jason, on this note, which is very, very, very well put here. Um, at the, so the parents watching, bottom line is this, get your kid in sports. Yeah. One, Not only that, we're, we're in a day and age where there's no playbook for raising kids. Spencer, I got Spencer behind the thing here. He's got a young, young what, two-year-old? Two, two year old. There's no playbook for us right now. Yeah. The no. playbook is this. Keep your kids off devices as much as possible. Absolutely. There's a time and a place. Mm-hmm. And the way that you're going to do that is keeping them active yep. in activities. And one of them is sports. Yep. So not only it's a twofold, keep them off devices, keep them you know, uh, in the real world of interacting with actual human beings in person. Right. But like everything that you just said that was so well put, man, that what you learn in sports can't be, it's not taught in books. Yeah. It's not taught in math, science. It's actually real world stuff. Yes. It's nothing in the books. It's literally how you interact with other human beings. I've always said this. Um, the quality of our lives is dependent upon the way we interact with other individuals and the way that you're going to get your child to interact well in in life and moving forward and maybe even become a leader is by having them interact with other kids and that happens in sports. And then, like you said, they rely on each other. So anyway, we could go on this for a while, but I'm glad glad this came up because this is always very helpful for parents to hear something like this, how important it really, really is is to get your kids into some form of a sport because there's so many the le- learning lessons involved there. Okay, so, all right. So to, now, t- to finish that thought, though, yeah, it also go. adds, if if kids are feeling bullied, like when I was in grade school and had that uh, bullying and, and being, uh, not tortured, but just kind of tormented by feeling isolated, what that helps a kid do is it feels, it makes them feel like they're part of something. And most often than not, the other kids that also felt isolated who have joined that team now all form this camaraderie and this bond that helps elevate each other. And it gives them a feeling of, I belong. And if your kid is struggling with that, they may never tell you that. But when they get on a team, they feel like they belong. And that's something you can't provide to your kid as a parent. I love that, dude. I love that. Think about that. Because and I just got goosebumps again. Because I'm coaching a football, a flag football team. And these little these little guys, man, they're six, seven. We had a practice yesterday. They they literally were all over the place. They're in la la land, but they're so excited to be out there mm-hmm. together yeah. with their buds that they're a part of something. Mm-hmm. It's and it's what you just said. I, I really didn't even think about it that far. Because right. if you got kids that are getting bullied, which happens a lot of most of the time, it's because they're isolated and they're a one off. Like a you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's huge, dude. I yeah. love that you brought that up as well okay so we're so now we're high school all boys Mm -hmm. right which i'm just tripping out on by the way you can you can tell right okay so is there any other event that happened in that school that would hit me with one thing that happened in there a learning lesson and then we're going to move on and get on to college and then we're going to follow then we're going to funnel into uh start really digging into your entrepreneurship you know uh teachers make a make a a crazy difference in your life uh and, and unfortunately for for good reasons and bad reasons. Mm. I had a, 
a Spanish teacher my second year uh, or sophomore year in high school that I completely uh, loved to go to his class, Mr. Davis. Uh, always talked about how about that jewel because uh, he used to you know yeah. make a good point uh, that was kind of the same <laughs> uh, but uh, it's like Rex Crane when he speaks yeah exactly this is good this, what, is, good. this is good this yeah, is good yeah, watch yeah. how powerful yeah it gets better so he goes you know that I go to that second year of Spanish I'm like, oh this is good I, I definitely want to continue learning this because I know I may look Mexican but I'm not Mexican <laughs> I don't speak Spanish I'm joking but uh, I was like okay being bilingual is going to be helpful and so my junior year I'm not going to name the teacher. I had a, uh, was it junior or senior? Either way, I think it was junior year, actually. Uh, I had a teacher that was vastly different. I mean, diametrically opposite from Mr. Davis. Made learning Spanish horrific. And he even got to the point where the kids didn't like him so much. At one point in time, I think I threw a pencil or an eraser across the room, and he gave me a referral, which was... Uh, pink slip back in a those referral. days. Yeah, like, referral. Like, what, he sent you business? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Today, I'd be like, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he gave me a referral, which meant I had to serve detention, and my parents would have to find out about it because like, you get detention or referral. The referral was like the next step. Oh boy, just throwing something across the room. I mean, come on, yeah, guy. come on. But apparently, if you have, if you get a referral, you are not eligible to be uh, at that point in time homecoming king. Um, <laughs> you know, so I was in the, I was going to be not. I think I was nominated and. Yeah, I, I did not get that opportunity to run in that race because of that. Just, oh man, that's something simple. Come on, that was just that was just like you know nothing. That was like that's vanity. Yeah. But as yeah, far yeah. as the learning uh, Spanish and continuing that with like a different uh, energy or fervor, it lost it completely that year. So it's it's a shame. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's just a, that's just one of those things that I remember. It was, it was the dynamic of that presentation of value of this subject matter is going to be important for you. If that's not coming through you as an instructor, teacher, a helper, whatever the case may be, you you tend to lose your audience. So what would you say the difference between the two teachers was? One one was passionate about it, one wasn't. One was checking the box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's not, the it's marginalizing. A, he was the, the passion and the engagement between the, the audience, right? So you could be passionate but still lose your audience because maybe you're not engaged with them. Hmm. And it's almost like there's, you know, you're not you're not a fan of your audience, and it, it came across that he wasn't a fan of the students, and unfortunately, man, that may just have been his demeanor. At a younger age, maybe we just don't realize that that's not how every presenter is going to be, or that's right. our expectation is different, or maybe that was just my personal expectation that this teacher should be just as good as my last year's teacher, and because of that stark contrast, it didn't vibe with me. But you asked me what was significant, yeah. I gave you what was significant. No, I like that. It's yeah. really cool, and that's also something to learn by of. You know how to engage with your, how to genuinely yeah. engage with your audience, no matter what, whether it's your business, whether right. you're speaking, right, or just uh, one to one. Yeah, exactly, or one to one, mm -hmm. like like what we're doing right exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> all right, so, all right, so give me, like, okay, so we got the SDSU. Yeah. Anything in college we need to go over? Anything that happened that was crazy or learning experience or? You know, I made the. I made the decision. So I was I was living at home my first uh, two years of college, and it's primarily because my dad bribed me with the car, and you know that's uh, what I call it to this day. He's right. like, no, I just I just offered you that so you'd have something to drive. Yeah, I gave you an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a big softy, even though he's a tough guy. Just I've like, met him just like my brother, and my, myself. You know, we're 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 soft at heart, yeah, but you are. Uh, so I, I, after a while, I was like, man, I can't do this. I can't go partied up with all the ladies and stuff like that and live at home so you know I was like hey listen I, I thank you guys for uh, taking care of my first couple years uh, of college but I'm gonna move out 
and I'm going to go ahead and pay for my schooling as well. And uh, they were, I think they were a little stunned at that point in time. But, you know, traditional Indian culture, if we were living back there, it would probably been a no-go. I probably wouldn't have had the bravado to do it back then yeah. because I'd have still been, I'd have been in that cultural kind of, I don't know, that sphere that doesn't let you to say, I'm going to step out. And then people are like, oh, yeah, that's good. Back home, it would have been like, what are you doing? Yeah. You would you, you know, you, I would have probably been chastised by all my peers at that point. In time. For sure. In, in this country, it was different. So for them, it was like, probably like, hey, you know, he's, uh, what can we do about this? We don't have any other cultural supporters yeah. that are, that are going to allow us to, to <laughs> say, no, you need to stay at home, son. So, you know, moved out, started working full time, uh, going to school full time. Where'd you work? So I, uh, for the initial time that I moved out, I was training people and working at the SDSU uh, rec center. So I was working about as many hours as I could and then also going to school. So I was on campus and the facility there for, I don't know, 60, 70 hours. Everybody knew me. And surprisingly enough, the people that worked up at the front, uh, I knew Kat also knew. And I never met Kat. She, really? she all, so yes, we knew the same people and or a few of the same people. And she would work out there. I never saw her, at least not to my recollection. Now, you know, her hairstyle was different and, you know, a couple of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she looked a little different back then. But, yeah, never never saw her, never met her. And I knew a lot of people because of I was in there so many, so much. And, yeah. you know, a lot of student body, student body went there. So that to me, uh, after I and then I went and transitioned over to work with my brother and I was working seven to four and I took night classes to finish. And, and when you went with your brother, that was the company that you went with mm-hmm. that you learned how to not run a company. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So the significant part of that story uh, was working full-time, going to school full-time, it did actually impact how quickly I was going to be done with, uh, with school. And my brother finished in four years. I was, ex- I was expecting when I started I was going to finish in four years, but then switching my major two times, actually, uh, San Diego State's actually known for one of the best business schools in the country now. It, uh, there's impacted classes. What that means is, or impacted uh, major, means that there are preliminary classes that you have to take to qualify to actually get into the major uh-huh. classes. So because of that, it, it actually pushed my graduation date out by, um, I think, a semester. And then when I started working full-time, it was harder to get those classes because I only had 7 to 9.40 p.m. available Ooh. classes. So it pushed it out another semester to two. And I was sweating because I was like, my parents are expecting me to graduate in four years. Now, granted, I took some of that pressure off by paying for it myself. So I'm like, hey, if I don't finish, it's not their dollar. Yeah. It's mine. But they still had an expectation. I'm not trying to let them down. Mm. I started losing my hair. You started losing your hair? Yeah, that was my first encounter with severe like stress response in your body. It's called alopecia. I don't know if it's called alopecia areata, but it's a certain form of alopecia where yeah. you like lose... So nickels and dime size or quarter size uh, spots of hair on your head. And I was like, what the heck is this? And at that point in time, it wasn't like you could Google Doc too much. You could. Right. But, but I, so I did look it up and I'm like, oh my goodness. I never went to a doctor. Like, this is what it could be, the stress. Like, I didn't know you could have that type of response automatically inside your body. Yeah. And I realized at that point, and that was probably like, like I said, one of the major turning points for me is. I'm doing everything I can do. I'm studying. I'm praying. So why am I stressing? I just need to get this done, and it'll be all good. Like, there's nothing that's going to affect me. I'm not dying here. I'm not going, you know, to jail. I'm not doing anything wrong, all that stuff. So 
after learning or realizing that was the the issue, it, it's like that's it. That's it. No more stress. I, I made the conscious decision to say to myself, "I'm not going to worry about things that are out of my control when I've done everything I can to take care of the situation." And a lot of it, Jason, in life, everything, everything revolves around making the decision. Choice, man. Free will. Yeah. Like, okay, I don't want to be fat anymore. Yep. Make the decision. Yeah. Uh, I want to be in shape. Uh, I don't. I don't want to worry about stuff. I don't want to have. I don't want to worry about stuff I can't control. How about this one? I w- I choose to be happy. Yeah. That's that. Dude, that is something that is such a choice that people don't believe it's a choice, but they, it is. You choose your disposition. You could be in the worst circumstances ever. I remember going through my divorce, man. I was the most emotionally difficult time in my life. Two weeks after moving out. I said, I'm going to choose to be happy and present the best version of myself to the next person I meet. Like that. Yeah. Honestly. You just made the decision. I made the decision. That's what it's all about. Just make the decision. God has given you free will. Yeah. That is the biggest gift that we've gotten, man. Because we all have the power with inside of us to be happy, to have joy. Absolutely. We've got it. It doesn't, it's not contingent on who's in quote unquote charge, who's the president, blah, blah, blah. Right. has nothing to do with them. Correct. Zero. Yeah. It's all within us. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Absolutely. All right. So, um, okay. So now San Diego State. Okay. You got uh, the, the job with your brother. Yeah. Let's move on from there. Yeah. You said you didn't want to be work for anybody. Absolutely. So where do we go from there? We, we decided we <laughs> wanted to open up our own fitness facility and we tried to... We actually put together a presentation. We Liberty Station wasn't fully developed at that time. Yeah. And they had a building that uh, it was a historical landmark, so you can't actually change the outside of the building. Actually, all of those buildings there are considered historical landmarks. So you could you could revamp or renovate the interior. You can't do anything to the outside. So I think it was McCormick. Who's the, the main builder at the time? McCormick and something. Um, think of the spice company, but it's not that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, whoever they were, we presented to the curators of that property at the time and a few other fitness locations like 24 hour and Bally's and stuff had presented to them and they loved their idea and they wanted to actually have us come and occupy it. We needed to raise $10 million at that time mm. to, uh, to do that. And at that point in time, Carrie or Logan had met Carrie, uh, who, you know, yep. and she had tried to get, uh, her, connections to meet with us to get that going and i think at one point in time now it's been 16 years so i could be off on the story of what happened to them i think one of them either got diagnosed with some type of cancer or something like that the investors who could the investors yeah and at that point that kind of that derailed our opportunity because that's only through her we were hoping to bring you know the money to the table syndicate the funds and get that uh, project launched. So while that didn't happen, we then teamed up with her to to get the credit card processing business going. And so she had already experience in the industry. Um, you know, my brother uh, started with her and, and got things launched, and then I came on the team, and we started expanding, you know, our reach as far as the portfolio goes to bring business into Advantage Payment Processing, as our company name was called, or is called. So that happened in 2006. And we continued that for quite a while. And in order to build my business, a book of business, I should say, I joined uh, Business Network International, which is a networking company, and became um, entrenched in that work. And that's a referral-based network 
for businesses, and then I became a director for them. I started supporting six other chapters in town and continued on to the point where real estate became something that just, you know, after the crash of 2008, uh, it was still very interesting to me to, to get back in, the, or not get back in it, but to, to start this. And I met a couple of key people in there that said, you know, I can help you. So I said, okay, let's go. Got my LLC and worked with these people, got a project uh, of vacant land and entitled the land. So that means we got the, the permits, uh, or we went to the city, applied for permits, for development permits, got uh, architectural plans built for four units on this property and got that approved. And now what we've done is we've taken out the uncertainty of working with the city and as far as getting plans approved. And now this land is ready to be, that they call shovel ready. Yeah. So we could have built it, but I'd have to raise more funds to build it out or somebody else could buy it from me and they could build it. So I ended up having somebody buy it from me and I think I made, I made a pretty good sum on that first project without lifting a shovel or a tool, right? right? It was all pen. And, and, and <laughs> sign this, sign that. You know, hire you, people, uh, designers, architects, and that stuff. And you, you didn't need a real estate license? You need any of that? No, you don't. No. As a real estate developer, you don't need a real estate license. You just need to make sure that you're bringing quality licensed guys to the table. Now, right. if you're doing all work that's architectural, you need civil engineers, maybe structural engineers, things of that nature. So those are guys all by pen or computer, of course. But if you're actually, you know, getting into the nitty gritty, breaking things down, building things up, then yeah, you either want to have a general contractor with a license or you make sure that if you're project managing that you have all of the, the sub trades that are licensed, insured, and bonded so that you're protected. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. Yep. And so you, so this day and age, are you still actively in that? Is it? So I still have a couple of projects, one that's currently approved um, and ready to go, We're but we did file for a, a structural change. So as soon as that happens, that can take off. And then we have another four unit project that's uh, in the city right now. We had delays with COVID and the shutdown. They were quarantining physical plans. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot to it, but that project is still a little bit behind. So once soon as that gets going, that'll be something else to develop. But for right now, based on where the real estate market's going, what you and I have talked about, yeah. you know, overall in general, my decision is to, after these two projects, I probably won't pursue it with any fervor. If yeah. something comes along, right. it's really good. Maybe I'll consider it, but not actively. Yeah. You know, I have the wellness center going and then we have other stuff that we're working on too. And so when, okay, so you got, you got uh, into the development. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then where from there? So after working with that and still working with the credit card processing business, then we went into, um, uh, a business, uh, a, a manufacturing business. Okay. And so there was manufacturing cannabis. All right. So the cannabis business, um, is a very interesting business because there's so much benefits from, so from how that did medicinal you get into plant. That? So the, the cannabis space is always been something that's been intriguing, but yeah. I actually never used cannabis. Um, I actually, I did. I did tried it once when yeah. I was 18 and I got the, the different kind of, uh, what do you call it, uh, response from yeah. it. Some people feel super relaxed. Yeah. Some people feel... Uh, Some people have anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, I had more of an elevated uh, kind of response to it where I was like, oh, I'm anxious. Yeah. Like, I'm seeing some stuff. It was it was a trip. If, 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 I, can ex if yeah. I would actually relate a word to it, that was it. And for someone like myself who likes to be, who's calm, yeah. in control, you didn't like it's that. like... I just it was just wasn't something that I didn't actually drink all through college. 
So that's actually something that I didn't touch on is yeah. I didn't drink. I, like in high school, people, uh, it was funny, Catholic school, they say it's more money, better drugs. Um, that's what they say. That's what they say. And so I never, wow. I never allowed myself to be involved in any of that stuff. So, so for me, drinking, using quote unquote drugs was something that, I'm not saying this to talk down to anybody, but that's something like the common folk did to yeah. me. That was my personal um, kind of feeling about it. So I yeah. felt like if I wanted to better myself and elevate myself to the next level, that's not something I would participate in. And so to this day, only time I really have a drink is when you and I, and you know, we go out with our significant others. Yeah. I have the best scotch and yeah. whiskeys yeah. at home for other people when they come over. Yeah. And every once in a while, if they do, I may have like, you know, a two finger uh, uh, pour as far as that goes, but that's it. Like I'm a one and done type of guy yeah. when it comes to that. Primarily because I do like to potentially be in control, yeah. but I also see it as, you know, one, if other people are I- I- indulging and something goes wrong, you need some person. Someone's got to be in control. Somebody's got to be, yeah. be the anchor Absolutely. or be able to navigate the waters, right? 100%. So I'd rather have people rely on me and not let them down. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. honestly, that's, that's how it all ties back, right? Versus... <laughs> Everybody being a, a you know what show, yeah. and then nothing gets accomplished. <clears throat> so so back in um, back in uh, I want to touch on this because you said uh, more money, better drugs. Uh, yeah, were yeah. were kids in the in L, uh, the high school that you can remember? Was there a lot of drugs going around? You know, not in not in the school. You know, not, not in, in not, the school. Not in school day to day. Outside, sure, I'm sure at the parties. And my parents weren't big on us going to parties. Yeah. as far as that goes, we went to some. And you know, to be honest. I can't honestly say that I ever saw somebody doing, uh, you know, any type of a, a super illicit drug. Yeah. I was told stories. Yeah. From my own, you know, classmates about other classmates. Right. But at that point in time, you just consider it uh, here, at, at least now, I just consider it hearsay. You yeah. Know? Uh, however, you should talk to other people that went to other private schools and that the same thing that they say. So there's a consistency that you really have to question. Oh, yeah. everybody making this stuff up or right. is it really going on? But just as personal reference, yeah, I didn't drink. And so only after college did I find myself like, okay, I, I, I liked, I'd like to taste this. And I would, I, people are probably going to cringe at this, but I would do, I would taste vodkas, just sip them on ice because I want to taste the flavor. Yeah. So I'm like, is this stuff really legit? Like, but it was never to get a high or get yeah. drunk or whatever the case may be or get intoxicated. It was just because I wanted to see, is there something to this? Like, what makes people, yeah. what makes people want to get so, you know. So wasted. Yeah. 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 So that was it. And, yeah. And it's funny because Kat always says, like, I've never seen you drunk. I'm like, I, n- I never go out. I never have that urge. It's just not, I don't know. I, I guess once you get that feeling, yeah. it, it may be enough to that's a constant desire. It's just yeah. not one of mine. Yeah. All right. So now we're in the cannabis manufacturing yeah. business. How yeah. did you get into that? So, um my brother saw uh, a clip with Do- Dr. Um, is it Sanjay Gupta? Yeah. On um, on TV, and it was talking about a family who had a child. And this is what year now? <sighs> I think he saw 2016. 2016. Yeah, yeah. So we and then 2016, 2017, and uh, it was powerful because the child was going through uh, having epileptic seizures, and. They were getting uh, cannabis to treat this. And so what has been uh, the history? I don't know if you know the history of cannabis. I, I, I don't. Okay. 
Yeah. So, so the interesting about cannabis in itself yeah, give it to me. is that it really was called cannabis back in back in the 1900s, even the 1800s, and people were using it because it has medicinal plant value. It yeah. has medicinal value. Back in the 1910s, the Mexican Revolution happened, and Mexican immigrants were moving to you know the United States, and the hysteria that was built up around cannabis was that. It was considered reefer madness. And right. the reason for that was is primarily because of racism. That's what people don't know is that the, the, the whites, to be honest, did not like the immigration of the Mexicans and they started to call cannabis marijuana. So marijuana is actually, I think the definition is actually prisoner, but it's, it's, it's a racist, it's, it's a term that doesn't promote you know, the right type of mindset. It promotes a negative connotation towards cannabis and the actual mm. medicinal plant value that it has. So what happened was in 1936 or 37, a gentleman by the name of Harry Anslinger, he was newly appointed to the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. It was a new division that the feds just announced. And so his kind of campaign was either through fear or dislike or racism was to say, reefers make the darkies go crazy. Mm. And he, he and a bunch of other people actually started to broadcast that if they allowed cannabis to stay legal and allowed people to use it, it would, it would basically compromise people's values and it would make white women want to sleep with black men. Wow. And it would make black men want to rape white women. This and was a thing. It wasn't a thing, was but it was actually being said, right? Yeah. The hysteria was working wow. about it. They were saying that they will become violent. And so that type of scare tactics we've seen maybe recently, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe, just a little bit. And so then it became banned in 1937 on the Marijuana Tax Act, okay? And so you look at that history, and what's funny was it, that message was being, was being spewed in spite of the people that were researching it that said, no, this is a solid plant. This has great medicinal value. It should not be essentially banned. Fast forward 36 years later, President Nixon's in office, 1972, he files for, he, he, files, he, he starts his own commission, the National Commission of, on Marijuana and Drug Abuse. His own commission that he funded through taxpayer dollars tells him that this has great value. It should not be banned. It should not be made illegal. He disregards it and puts it on the Controlled Substance Act on Schedule 1 with heroin and cocaine. Wow. Now, cocaine is a stimulant. Alcohol is a depressant. Heroin is an opioid. Right? Yeah. And so it's like what are you doing classifying a plant with this much value? And for people who don't know why it has value, we have a God-given system in our body called the endocannabinoid system. Yeah, get into this. We have CB1 and CB2 receptors that affect the central nervous system. So when you actually use cannabis, you can affect, it can, and in effect it can be an anti, uh, it can actually be an anti-inflammatory, it can be an analgesic, which is a pain medication, so when you talk about using that versus opioids, and we have an opioid cr crisis in this country currently, right? Yeah. 
uh, President uh, 45 over there talked about that in his campaign and trying to address that. But if you use an opioid, what that does, it blocks the pain receptor from receiving the pain signal from the brain. But you get addicted, okay? And it comes with all these other side effects. If you're using cannabis for it, it blocks, it does the same thing. But guess what, JD? It's also an anti-inflammatory. So you're blocking the pain signal and you're reducing the inflammation. Why would you want to be addicted to opioids versus using cannabis at that point in time? Now, microdosing is, is going to be one of the things that it really boils down to moving forward as far as how it can be used. Because right now, in terms of um, its actual dispersion or its distribution in the body, you can smoke it, right? Yep. You can do a, a, the dried flower. You can do the cannabis uh, vapes, which are the oil. You can do the pre-rolls. Uh, I'm sorry, you can do the, um, the gummies. You can do butter. There's, there's shatter. There's crystals. There's so many different uh, ways that it's, it's broken down in, in regards to its method of distribution or consumption in the body. But the key thing is, is it has so much use and so much medicinal value. And the whole reason why any type of drug is put on a schedule is because it ha- on a schedule one is because it has no medicinal value and it's considered addictive. Right. Right. And so you may be, you may find somebody that can be dependent on cannabis, but dependence and addiction are quite different. Dependence is more of physical, uh, addiction is going to be a mental mental. Yeah. 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 And so you can't break it. Like you cannot, you cannot not use it in spite of knowing how bad it is for you. Dependence is like physiologically, you're going to have some withdrawal symptoms, right? Because you're using excess of it. Yeah. So, and that goes with anything though. You use something excessively, you drink too much caffeine, yep. you're going to have a problem. Right. Right. Caffeine's yeah. legal. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, that's, that's so when you discount the amount of value that it brings to the table, and now it's been, it's been subjugated and it's been oppressed for so long for, and it's being held political hostage at this point in time. To this day, it's being held political hostage. We have, what, 37 states that have approved it, or 38. It's almost 80% of the country right? in terms of states that approved it. And the federal government still is saying that it's illegal? For what reason? What actual practical reason does it make sense? Well, what does pharmaceutical companies provide? Mm. Right? Yes. And so then, but on top of that, last year, I think in June, somewhere in June, middle of the year, Judge Clarence Thomas, one of the judges on the Superior Court, he says that we are, we are actually contradicting ourselves as the federal government concerned because they are tolerating it but still con- and taxing it but still considering it federally illegal. You know? Yeah. That, that's, that's a contradiction. Yeah. Like, you guys, we want to get the benefits of the tax dollars from the guys that are actually creating this for state revenue but you're still going to get penalized if we choose to, or in the sense of they're not going to get the same federal tax breaks because it's still considered federally illegal. We still want your tax dollars. You get no breaks because it's illegal, but you still got to pay your taxes. It's unbelievable. It's, it's insane. It is. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and so you guys started, you got into We started that. the manufacturing. We filed for a, a license. Um, so the city of uh, San Diego and different uh counties uh, started to allow for application for licenses yeah the city of la mesa actually uh, uh was one that uh, uh their their terminology was conditional use permit so you had to file for a cup in order to be a, in one of their zones or in their green zone as they yeah. called it yeah 
which was an industrial zone, to be able to manufacture cannabis. And so there's different verticals of the cannabis market, right? So there's cultivation, which cultivation, man, is a science in and of itself, yeah. right? You can have uh, the best botanists come up with the most significant strains. You can have CBD heavy strains. You can have different types of THC heavy strains and they'll grow it. And then you have to have what's called um, the extraction process, right? And so you extract the, the concentrate from the plant matter, right? And then, or the biomass as it's called. Right. And then from that, you actually distill or refine that extracted plant matter, the concentrate. So it's like oil distillation or refinery, right? You're refining the fin the product to get it to finish so it can be used as gasoline. In this case, so it can be put into vapes uh, gummies, whatever else the other, you know, actual end-all media is going to yeah. be. So we were in the dis in, in the actual distillation vertical, right? That was our manufacturing expertise. Actually, it, wa it wasn't originally. <laughs> yeah. The 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 actual uh, guidelines, or I'm sorry, the regulations under that CUP was that you had to have at least six months in the cannabis space before you could get approved. Mm. Okay, so if you no one has issued a license. How are you supposed to get six months of experience? It's like it's like getting on the SAG, uh, you know, as an actor. It's like in order to get that, you need to get a SAG job, but then you need to have a SAG card. So you can't get a job till you get a card, but you can't get a card till you get a job. Right. Oh, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, that so, makes sense. So nonetheless, we filed for our uh, CUP. We paid uh, a lot of money for our architect to develop plans. We were going to scrape the lot that we um, – we had, were actually in a lease to purchase option with the owner in the in the green zone. And we're like, you know, we need to find out how we're actually gonna manufacture this stuff. And so we had to set up, you know, an operation to, to start manufacturing. And so we did, and we got really good at it because, you know, we're smart guys and we prayed about it. I mean, our intention wasn't to, like when you start any type of business yep. or enterprise, your, your goal is, hey, how am I gonna sustain this, right? How am I gonna turn it to profitability? So no matter what, uh, that's always going to be in line with starting something. You're not going to do it as a hobby. Correct. We're putting in a license. Like, we're going to take this as far as we can possibly go. But the main reason why we did this was because we, when my brother saw the impact of how much it made on that family that had to actually, the mom had to take the, the daughter to Denver, Colorado, because Colorado was the, was the place that was, uh, and they were not in Colorado originally. Forget where they were. They might have been Arizona. Whatever state that was closer to Colorado, yeah. which was currently legal at that time, they the daughter and the mom were staying there while the father was in the other state, and the daughter was getting the treatments for her seizures or her affliction that was being treated through cannabis. So, that point in time, at some point in time, they'd have to move back, or they'd run out of money, and it's like. The stuff is expensive. You can't get what you need. Why is it not legal? There's got to be. There's got to be more to this. So the goal was the long term goal is get licensed, get the best R and D team that can actually find out what are all the different cannabinoids. Cannabinoids are the certain compounds within cannabis that make it so potent for different, let's say, issues within the body. So whether you have uh, like I said, if you're having anxiety, it can reduce anxiety. If you're having pain, it can reduce pain. It can also be used as an antipsychotic. There's so many different things that it has properties for, but besides THC, which is one of the cannabinoids that are found in it, 
the the scientist Dr. Ralph Meculum actually discovered that in '64, and then in 1980 he discovered CBD. Mm. So everybody knows about CBD yes. nowadays. He discovered that in 1980. Wow, okay, the year I was born. And he was surprised that no one did anything with CBD, even though they found back then that it would have a dramatic effect on people who were having epileptic seizures. 30, 35 years later? So yeah, 2015, 16, yeah. or actually within the last five years, GW Pharmaceuticals actually came out with Epidiolex. Epidiolex is to help kids with um, Dravet syndrome, which is childhood onset uh, seizures, epileptic seizures. Why did it take that long for that to happen, right? In the whole meantime, other pharmaceuticals were being given. Of course. I mean, it's, 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 it's almost uh, a shame and it's, it's disappointing that we have to keep going back to that well and saying, look, you guys, I mean, we're not letting people draw their own conclusions to a certain extent and we are pointing back to the pharmaceutical company, but I, got, I have no regrets doing that because yeah. that's honestly how this that's why healthcare is in such a it's in such shambles as it is, and that's why people's health in general is in such shambles. But th- it's only recently, within the last you know three to five years, has cannabis gotten some steam as, hey, this is a legitimate product that has true medicinal value, and it should be promoted to one of the top things that should be allowed for people to use when they have different issues. And if more research was given, research dollars was given to it. See, that's the other problem. The, the, the federal government has made it illegal on controlled substance or Schedule One, and on the Controlled Substance Act, so people can't get grants for it. Scientists can't get federal funding to study it. And that's what we we're like, well, you know, if we're not going to get a grant for it, we're going to come up with the money to pay for the chemists, to pay for the botanists, to, to grow and to find out what are the combinations or what are the cannabinoids that are going to provide the most benefits for people. And that was our goal, right? I mean, 100% to make a profit, but also 100% to how many people are going to benefit from the research that we get done. Our facility was going to be over 15,000 square feet. Two levels, I mean, for production and for research. Granted, we had we had been strung along by the city of La Mesa over two years passed before they even actually approved a, a conditional use permit. Um, but the only reason that happened was because they were taken um, into lawsuits by two of the early submitters, uh, or the guys before us, so to speak. Uh, there was a list of, I think, 100 different people that submitted. There was only 40 licenses being issued. Yeah. Uh, so regardless of that fact, um, we continued to operate while waiting uh, for our license. Because we needed to know, one, um, you know, when we get our license, when we get our stuff done, are we going to be successful? So we could have potentially paused at that point in time when we found out the first time it was going to take longer than it was. But at that point in time, it's like, you know, we had, we had said our prayers about things. We knew this is the direction we wanted to go full hearted. We didn't have, we didn't have any qualms or anything in our hearts that are saying we're doing something wrong. We're not following man's law. We're following God's law mm. as far as we were concerned because yeah. this has been restricted for, for nefarious reasons. There's no legitimate no. reason somebody can tell me today, I will debate with anybody, why it should be restricted from, from anybody being able to use it. Granted, you want to put some, some guidelines and, and regulations around it, like, hey, you can't, you got to use it responsibly. 
Sure. You know, 18, 21, maybe have to have a license, uh, whatever the case may be. But there's potential for it to be, like I said, microdosed at a lot better level. I mean, once again, there, we have other things that should be microdosed like psilocybin and other different, you know, plants, mushrooms that are currently banned for what? Purely based off of ignorance yeah. and or for political agendas to be furthered so that somebody else can come in and say, yes, I'm for this. So yeah. all you constituents that are for this, you know, come vote for me. Like it, it, it's such hocus pocus, yeah. right? Yeah. And so if we, if we really wanted to, 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 to look at a contrasting drug called alcohol, as a depressant and find out why is that legal and why is it so much marketing dollars poured into that mm. when you know part of the narrative that they shaped back then in the 70s was cannabis is a gateway drug to what when's the last time you saw somebody on cannabis beat their wife when's the last time they beat their kids on cannabis when's the last time they robbed a store when's the last time they killed somebody in drunk driving i mean i'm sure that you know some people have used it and driven and there have been crashes but not to the same degree as we see over 10,000 deaths a year that are alcohol-based related, right? Yeah. I mean, the perversions that happen with people that use alcohol, murders that happen off that. I mean, you're using cannabis, you're using it to relax. You're yep. not using it, you know, for other reasons to get hype and to be in parties with people. Regardless, man, yep. that's, I'm going off on an al- And alcohol with abuse, it's number one. Yes, Right, that is a gateway drug to all of those other, Absolutely. you know, negatives. Yeah, alcohol leads to other bigger drugs, cocaine. Go down the list. Yeah, and alcoholism is it's you know, and especially the with the quote unquote pandemic this past couple of years, man. Yeah, it's a known thing that it's now, you know, alcohol. It's a serious thing. It's a lot of tax dollars that are lost if that goes mm, banned, right? Exactly. I mean, and why and why is why is even tobacco even allowed? I mean, that, <laughs> let's not even go there. But that's another yeah, thing. We it's can, like this this, is... the senselessness of of all these things, right? It's like you ask common sense questions, and you put alcohol, you put tobacco, you put cannabis on the table, and you ask common sense questions, and you can really give common sense answers. And at that point in time, you get the clear, clear, you know, clear winner or front runner. Yeah. It's but not, to this day, political hostage. It, it's it's too it's it it's too simple. You put all those on the table and start, like you said, uh, you know, talking about each one. Yeah. It's not even a question. No. And it's, and I actually get pissed off, and I know you are too. I get pissed thinking about it. I do. The fact that the government is like sitting there trying to, and, the, and then we're glorifying alcohol. We're glorifying beer like drink every other. Drink responsibly. Drink, really? drink, drink, drink responsibly. Drink. Who? Those two don't go together. No. They don't. I mean, granted, most, you know, there are people like myself, like when, when, when I, when I say I drink, if I was to say I drink responsibly, yeah. I drink one for taste and I very rarely even get two drinks. Yeah. But that may be once to twice a month. If we go out once a month, that'd be the only time I yeah. <laughs> that drink. Yeah. But in reality, and I still don't, actually, I don't even use THC, the THC component of cannabis uh, right now. Yep. Um, I have used it before because the combination of THC, which is the psychoactive. Correct. Uh, and CBD promote a different type of full spectrum um, healing and benefits for the body. If you isolate the different cannabinoids, they can have. It's more like single arrows for single singular targets. Yep. When you put them together, it becomes like almost like shotgun that it spreads and hits the whole body with much more benefits. So there's full spectrum, there's bo- broad spectrum, there's isolates. I could go down the list and keep yeah. talking, but you know, th- to come back to the story. Yes, we continued our production. We thought we were on the, the brink of getting our license. We did not get our license, and we ended up getting, um, we ended up getting our lab uh, shut down by the feds. 
Yeah. By the feds. Yeah, by the feds. And so even though our attorneys are like, look, this is a simple licensing infraction if it was state-based because California was the first state in 1996 to make it approved medicinally. And then in 2016, I think it was the first state to make it, maybe not the first state, I think maybe Colorado, uh, was to make it available recreationally. So you have med- medicinal yep. cannabis and you have recreational use cannabis, right? And so there are a lot of states that are both or just medicinal. right? And then there's, I think, maybe about 11 to 15 that are currently also allowed for the recreational use as far as that goes. So because it's at the federal level, you know, we're, we're faced, we, we were faced with a much stiffer penalty, right? Yeah. And so that was a unique situation because we were like, okay, look, the, the biggest issue we could have is going to deal with the state and saying, look, we have all our evidence. We have the licensing. We have the agreement for the lease to buy in the specific green zone. We have the architectural plans, you know, bam, 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 bam. We and so we we didn't expect to have to deal with the federal government on this part. So and that 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 was you know being being taken in in quote unquote handcuffs yeah. for that is like it's like a, it's like this this is surreal because one once again no there was not an ounce of wavering in my brain yeah. or my heart that I was doing something against God's law yeah God's will. It's like this is this is a contrived deceitful duplicitous government that's put these restrictions on this and maybe not the existing government but the people in power have not done anything to remove it so you're continuing to perpetuate the lies right right in my book so you know spending 16 days in you know federal uh prison or correctional center is is quite a unique experience okay you know? so tell me how that went down so uh, as you talking about from the time they banged on the door? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they they banged on the door early Monday morning. Uh, so you guys were all in the facility? Uh, no, your no, house? no, this was the house. Oh, this was your house? Yeah, yeah, this was the house. Yeah, Cat uh, had actually just flown to uh, flown out of town. Yeah. Uh, so she wasn't there, which was kind of good in one way. Yeah. Kind of bad in another. Yeah. Because she wasn't there. And so, uh, you know, uh, apparently they, they, they went out to, you know, my brothers too. And so picked this up. This is, this is what what year? Seventeen, eighteen? No, this was two thousand nineteen. Nineteen, okay. Yeah, yeah. Picked us up, took us down there, and uh, so what they do? They came to the door and they're like, "You're, you know, you have a right to remain silent, all that stuff." Or oh uh, no, yeah, they they so you know they have access to all your information, yeah. of course, right? So they can look and see whether you have a history of violence, yeah. you have a criminal history, your jacket, as they like to call it. Uh, we had none of that. Yeah, we have we are business owners. Um, you know, n- not a not an ounce of imperfection on our history. Yeah, but they came with um, I don't know, maybe ten to fifteen different uh, agents. Yeah, all gunned up. You know. Yeah. For what? Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. We we had no indication that we were we were going to be armed so with violence. So you know, armed cars dangerous. Outside your uh, place, like, there was there was about I think like you said roughly ten to fifteen officers right outside the house. Their cars were you know not marked because it wasn't police. It was yeah. feds. It's feds. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they came banging on the door. Uh, you know, I, it was funny because uh, the roofers for the complex were working on the roof. Uh, the roof that that for two weeks because like, they had other units to work on. Yeah, and I honestly thought it was them banging on the roof. Yeah, I was, I just, I'm sleeping, man. It was like six thirty in the morning, 
And so I didn't get up. And then finally, I, I ended up getting up and looked out the window. I'm like, oh, well, look, my welcome party's here. Yeah. So uh, I go downstairs and they're like, did you hear me banging on the door? Like, I honestly thought it was the roofers. They didn't know. Yeah. They're like, why are you giving me that BS? You know, yeah. it's like they didn't know that the teams were there just recently. That's yeah. the day before. Yeah. Working on it. So, of course, you know, they, yeah, they, they say who, ask you who you are. Then they say, you know, these are your rights. And then they arrest you and. So you looked out the window. Did you, did you kind of have a feeling what it was for? Well, when they when they shut down our facility uh, and they confiscated all of our equipment and so forth. Oh, they, they had already done that. Yeah, they had done that back in May. This was six oh, months later. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had already done that. Yeah. Did they storm your place then, like feds and everything? No, because they had to go do more more research of who actually you know had the the quote unquote lease and stuff like yeah. that. And so after they found that out, you know, we so had, we already just... retained attorneys and and had our attorneys you know indicate to them that hey, look, if they if they need us, we'll come down. We'll we'll make sure we're available for whatever. Of course, they, so they the chose city, to bypass so, that. So the city shut you down originally. The facility? No, the, it was the the, feder, the federal agents did. They shut the yeah. The we weren't down. at the facility when yeah. that happened. So oh, you weren't? No, no, we were not. So how'd you find out about it? You um, went there and it was closed. <laughs> y- yeah, we uh, we had seen it. Uh, you know, seen a lot of activity over there, and, and uh, yeah, one of one of the people that we know had t- told us that happened. So and so, yeah. what did you do? Did you say? Did you contact your attorney and say, mm-hmm. hey? Yeah, yeah, we did, we did, because we had already had one uh, retained, you yeah. know, um, because it's it's it was a delicate situation at yeah. the time, but we we're also like I said, we had we had our things in place that we wanted to get uh, in terms of our licensing that we were working through. So at that time, it was a call to him, let him know, and then we you know, each had to get representation. So yeah. uh, that's and like I said, we told them. Yeah, our attorneys told the the federal uh, prosecutors, like, look. These guys will come down, whatever's needed. Let us know. Six months later, they just come stumbling on doors. Yeah, you know? it's like you guys didn't need to do this. Just make a call. We're coming. Yeah. Right so to six you. months later, they're outside your. So then you obviously knew what it was. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. My welcoming party's here. Yeah, your welcome party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they bring you. Where do they? Where they bring you to? Uh, so it's called the MCC, the yeah. the Metropolitan Correctional Center. Um, known to other people, not we didn't we didn't name this. Known to other people as the Mexican Country Club. Are you serious? Yeah, there, there's, the, the, and it's not a, actually a, a, um, a r- racial by any means. It's just known by that because of the concentration of Mexicans that are held there. Yeah. Um, primarily because that's a center, because it's in San Diego, that's a lot of where they get the individuals who are crossing the border and bring them to. And the reason why they call it a country club this goes into a whole nother foray of our man. I don't even know how to classify it, uh, our judicial system. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. But these guys are picked up down there for crossing illegally, whether it's just trying to get across illegally, or get drugs across, or smuggle other people across, whatever the case may be. I think it was like thirteen, fourteen, maybe somewhere between thirteen to fifteen floors in this place, and about eighty percent of everyone there was of Mexican descent. Yeah. And they get there from, you know, out in the field in the desert crossing the border and they get into a place where they're now given clothes, food, shower, TV, commissary, medical care. They don't want to leave. <laughs> That's why it's called the country club. There you go. So they but this is this is what happens. They get there. They get released back. Okay, they commit the same infraction again. Yeah, 
just so they could get back in there. So how long are these guys staying in this country club? So they stay there until they actually have their court date. Like yeah. their could be months. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get in there and we're getting to our uh, uh, arraignment, I believe, for that day. And we hear guys in there banging on the, the chairs or the benches. We want lunch. I'm like, what are these yeah. guys saying? And yeah. we asked one of these other guys, like, they want lunch. And it's like, they're demanding lunch? Demanding? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you're like, yeah. you're cuffed up. Yeah. Chain, you know, leg cuffs, handcuffs, uh, all that stuff that you see in Connor, you know, practically. And it's like, these guys are demanding, demanding stuff. Like, okay. Yeah. And so they, <coughs> the, like, the, the officers come by and, like, you'll get it in like 20 minutes. And, like, and, they're, and they're like, you know, going, they're like, it's like, it's like a game. They were roaring and laughing and, wow. That's that's and, ridiculous. And so when they picked you up at the house, did they put you in cuffs behind mm-hmm. your back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. Yeah. Did they, they turn they, around? Yeah, I, I needed two sets. I, I could, I, was, you could put your arms behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> You'd need the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Forget. Yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can we do it in the front? Yeah, please. That's I, my literally my arm, my my wrist or my my palm started to turn uh, blue. Yeah, blue red. You know, black and blue. Um, but yeah, so just sitting there, I'm like. I was like, of all the situations that could happen, this is the one that we have to deal with. So, how, so who did you call first? Uh, well, actually, <laughs> I texted Cat because she was on the plane and she couldn't get a call. And I was yeah. like, hey, uh, I think you know these guys are here. And then so she flew right back. She got off the plane, and flew did. right back. Um, so then she knew what was going on. Uh, it took. We didn't get uh, we didn't get a phone call till I think was it later that night or the next morning, something like that. Yeah, because so all I, day it was in, it was like you know being transported and court and, and all that stuff and so this they, they kept you in that facility or did you move to another no no facility? yeah we were so we were in that facility and what that's the that's the holding center for court because they they take you underground to the court it's like a i don't know how long the walk is but all you know linked up chained up yep. you know uh through the underground uh, railroad <laughs> to yeah. the court and so then they take you back and it's like you know this long ass process so we the first night we get there and they're you know they 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 look at our card from my brother and I, and there's different floors. There's like floors where they're protected individuals. I, I can't tell you how it all works, but there, I know there's like nonviolent floors. There's violent yeah. floors. There's protected individuals like, you know, the, the ones that are Chester molesters guys that, you know, would probably get, yeah you know, done in, right. in other, in other floors that they keep all together. So, we were, I, I don't know what floor we were going to get put at, but one of the, the, the officers looked at our cards and was like, you guys brothers? And we said, yeah. And uh, he's like, okay. And then he looked at the other guy and he's like, we're going to change him to this floor. So they moved us to, to some other floor that was probably a lot better than what we were originally assigned. Yeah. And we get to that floor and then it's four quadrants to this, to this um, location. And it's, you have like a lower part, of, it's like a split level, right? You have a lower level and you have a higher level. And basically that's one quadrant. And you have another quadrant over here, another quad over here, another quad over here. 75%, so three out of those four were all Mexicans. Yeah. This is the term they use for the last quadrant, blacks, whites, and others. Yeah. And that, that's right. That's what they use for that yeah. quadrant. That's what the COs use, command, correction officers, and that's what the, the, the detainees use. So we get up there, and they, the one of the officers comes up and is like, "Okay, we're gonna try to find you, uh, you know, place uh, t- 
to, to put you. And my brother says, hey, can you see if we can put us together? And this guy, this guy was his, I think it was like he was only there for a couple more days. His, uh, Officer Keys was his name. I still mm-hmm. remember him. Really nice black guy. And he's like, yeah, I'll see what I could do. And he comes back. He's like, hey, the only thing that we have is in the blacks, whites, and others. And uh, it was funny because one of the guys who was a Mexican guy being a detainee came up to us and was like, hey, man, you, you should want to come with us because, you know, you don't know when you're going to need our, our help down the road. So he's like trying to talk all serious and yeah. tough like we were in danger of this stuff in nature. And we're just sitting there like, okay, well, you know, wherever they put us, we're going to go. Yeah. Um, but we're not we're not siding with anybody as far as that goes. Yeah. So we get to he comes back and he's like, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna put you there." And we look over and it's actually on the upper level where all the white guys are. And so one of the white guys looked like a skinhead. Yeah. And it, this was like probably I don't know fifty yards, maybe sixty yards away as far as where we were at for the entrance to that quad. And he just kind of looks up like that and does a head nod. And so we do a head nod. We go up there. And you know, once again, we're we're darker yeah. color. Yeah, you could assume whatever we are. Right. But uh, as we get older, we probably don't look completely Mexican yeah. as far as that goes. So, you know, we started. Uh, we went up there, and there were some some guys that probably looked a little tough. You know. Yeah. But we're not small guys either. Yeah. Right. So it, it, I think that, and we're older. Yeah. I think when people are younger, more impressionable, and you know, look like easy targets. Yeah. That's what happens in yeah. there. That they they get impressed upon. Yes. But uh, we were talking to these guys. Uh, actually, we ended up talking to them, and, and you know, he actually made it to the officer keys. Got us our own "quote unquote" cell. Yeah. So my brother and I were in the same one. Yeah. Had we not had him, yeah, we'd have been split up. Could have been in completely different quads. Yeah. Could have been on a completely different floor. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I just don't see that not being uh, God's hand guiding you yeah. know, everything. To be honest. Yeah. Like there's there's nothing through this that does not speak to me that says. This was not still guided by God, okay? Yeah. So we spend 16 days in that place. Because that's intimidating. That's a little scary. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, well, you know, the thing was, I, I don't know how to tell you, man. The, I wear that shirt that uh, says faith over fear. Yeah. And it, it truly is the way that I, I walk my life now. Yeah. And I've walked it for a long time, probably since college. Yeah. You know, there's no more fear that I have to live by. I don't fear death. I don't fear anything. It's like... I'm either going to do everything that I possibly can or I've done everything I possibly can to take care of the situation and I've prayed. Yeah. So there's no more fear. And yeah. so when I'm in there, granted, it is somewhat intimidating, but then at the end of the day, I just, you just kind of reassert, recollect yourself. And yeah. it's like, all right, I got no problems. You know, this will all be resolved. Because once again, I didn't have an inherent discord going on in front in, yeah. inside of me. I didn't have chaos. I was settled. I knew why we did it. I knew how we did it. I knew what we did concurrently to make sure it was all legit. But yet, and yes, we still made our decision to move forward with yeah. operations yeah. in spite of. But at the end of the day, I knew, I felt still then and there we were going to still have victory. Yeah. Okay. So by the time we left, this uh, I know we got to keep going on this. So I won't spend yeah. too much time. But by the time we left, we had a couple of the older gentlemen asking us. They're not asking us. They're like, man, we wish you weren't leaving. And, and my brother and I were laughing. This is in the facility. This is in the facility. P- people that you were there with. Yeah. Not guards or. No. And they were like, because the, the, the energy that's come across from when you guys are here. Yeah. To before you guys got here has been ridiculous. Wow. You made and an impact in there. We made an impact in there. We, we, we were talking to these guys about their life, about, you know, fitness, about their faith. And 
it made an impact because a lot of these guys are younger. They're yeah. doing stupid things, but a lot of the older guys sensed their kind of intensity, their their chips on their shoulder, their brutality, their just their their negativity towards you know each other, yeah, the outside world, yeah, and that comes in and that's in a concentrated boiler you know room type of environment. And so while we didn't you know we didn't see any violence, obviously while we were there, no one came up to us and tried to, tried anything as far as it goes. Everybody is more than respectful. Yeah. I mean, that's because we gave everybody respect too, yeah. you know. And so that was that was very interesting to hear because it's wow. like you would never thought, hey, I'm going into this detention center and I'm going to make an impact on somebody's people's lives. And we actually uh, still communicate with a couple of the guys who were in there at the time and, and got out and were like, hey, man, I'd love to have your number and still connect with you. So that that was uh, yeah, it, you know the 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 worst thing about spending any time or dying for that matter, spending any time away from your family is the fact that they have to kind of mourn your loss, right? Yeah, because they don't get to have you, but. Yeah. Wherever I go, um, I'm comf- I'm at peace, man. You know, so for me, I'm okay with that. But I know the closest people around me would be affected. Yeah. So I, uh, but I already know that victory is 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 going to be for us because I've already put my faith in God as far as it goes way back then. So I don't have any qualms about that. But I know that, you know, man, I know that cat, cat, cat definitely had some. On top of the stuff that she's already yeah. dealing with, right? That she talked about. She had that story to to essentially affect her as well. Yeah, you talk about a powerful woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I've told her this a million times, dude. Yeah. Powerful man. Oh yeah. So she chose to get off her stuff while that stuff is still pending, so to speak. Right? She still doesn't know mm. what's going to happen. What's the outcome? Think about the magnitude of that decision for herself. So if anybody can choose their disposition she's the example and, and what you're talking about is her getting off the anxiety yeah right medication yeah how much did i add to that anxiety right right so folks if you didn't watch her interview what he's talking about is she 20 years of medication for anxiety and she got off of it and it really was hard yeah. really hard she still did it yeah and and also dealing with this now yeah <sighs> Oh, right. man and that didn't come up in, in our interview <laughs> she she wanted you know she wanted to no i mean yeah of course she you know it, it's it's something that obviously she's had to share with just a couple of really close girlfriends you yeah. know because she needed some outlet of course um but uh n- n- not too many people in my circle know it uh and you're the you know you're at the top of the list as the only person that i haven't really told other than you know maybe one or two other people that know so well so so jason texted me last week and we went to emerge and emerge i would say had a quite an impact on you would you say yeah it, it, was, it was a powerful powerful experience uh as far as that goes i think uh in this day and age to just to know people that are working on themselves actively to see that because we don't know where everybody's you know we see a polished figure to a certain extent and it's like what have you really done we're yeah. hearing about it but we don't really know it that's where you actually see the work going on. Yeah. You know, when you hear about a championship team, do you know how much practice they put in? You really don't. You just yeah. see them kind of produce. So that's that's practice, man. Going to going to service, it's practice. Praying is 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 basically practice. Yep. You know, sound yeah. like Iverson now. Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. practice, practice. Man. You gotta practice. Yeah. You know. So. You do. Wow. So give it to me one more time. So the guys, the older guys said, man, we don't want you to leave. How long were you in there? You said 15, 16 days, 16 days, 16 days. So on the day, you're like, all right, guys, we're out. Yeah. There were some guys who were upset. Yeah. Like, oh man. Yeah. 
Well, they love, they love just chopping it up, having you guys around. They did. I mean, we we were we were we were playing uh, spades, spades, you know, card oh, game yeah, with, with with the guys. Multiple uh, multiple. I mean, rounds. I mean, you got nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're playing spades. You're talking to them. Uh, you just you know you're, you're hearing their stories and you're just trying to help them understand and put things in perspective of you don't have to look at it with such a negative lens like there's positivity to have in the situation and coming out of the situation but you got to grab hold of it man you can't consider yourself a victim you know so we had yeah we had a lot of really good heartfelt conversations with guys that probably had a lot of you know pent-up frustration pent-up anger and who wanted to change their life but you know something i've heard is you can't want for someone else what they don't want for themselves right and so no matter how much we actually spoke to these gentlemen uh it's still up to them to choose to make that but sometimes if you never get spoken to you never think that you actually have that choice right so it is it is something that's a a personal you know uh, kind of responsibility i think if you are in a position to give somebody some good solid advice especially if it's being solicited from you and that, and it was they were asking us right you know uh, this stuff so i don't typically give anyone unsolicited advice but if they ask me then i will definitely lend lend my ear to listen and then give them you know my perspective or observation which i love that because it took me many many years to come to that term right there because i was i would give out unsolicited advice a lot yeah. and i realized that no, nobody wants to hear it yeah they have to actually want to hear the information they will right. have to actually you know to, to ask you the information so that's huge that you said that even in that facility in a detention yeah. facility yeah Uns- a solicited they wanted they wanted the information so right. talk about a learning experience and a growth experience going through that man yeah so since then what's happened now that's three years ago What's yeah, three on? years ago. So, you know, we didn't. Uh, we were we were looking at the, in the last three years. Did you have to go to trial, like to go to like possibly go to jail further? Yeah. So, so base. You know, I can't. I, there's there's so much. There's only so much I can give you in terms of details. But yeah. realistically, the the way the federal system is for a Schedule One drug is they have mandatory minimums in terms of your sentencing per count, and so. Let me put it to you this way. The way the federal government works is they try to strong arm you into making a deal. Mm. These are just the facts. 97% of federal cases do not go to trial. Correct. They go to pleas. And out of that 3%, there's actually a significant amount that actually do went out on that trial. But that being said, what they originally say to you is this is the worst that we're going to come down on you with if you don't make a plea. We're gonna, you're facing 20 years to life. That's what they tell you. That, well, that's what they told us. Yeah. Right? So depending on whatever your, well, in our case, what our infraction was in other people's terms of their crimes, uh, that's what they're saying. So, you know, you could be like, oh, I'm staring down the barrel of 20 years to life and be completely scared or realize that, well, that's your law and I'm praying to a higher power that trumps all of your laws. So our thing was we know that cannabis was in the running to be potentially rescheduled, descheduled, decriminalized, or legalized. We just don't know when. So our goal was, or well, I shouldn't say our goal, our hope and our prayer was that essentially it's going to happen within the time frame of whenever we have to go to trial, do whatever it is strategy-wise that we have to do. We didn't know COVID was going to come around. Our court, our court case got delayed nine times. So, you know, wow. for that to happen... Once again, whose whose power are we dealing with here? 
sure as heck not man's power, right? Wow. So now it's at the point where one of the congr- uh, senators, is, is Schumer, I think it is, is going to release his act that he feels is going to be approved by the House and approved by the Senate, right? first week of April, I believe. And if it makes it to you know the current incumbent president's desk, and and he signs off on it, that kind of you know washes away a lot. Yeah. If it doesn't, we still have some things that we're we're looking at trying to execute in the meantime, uh, to to rid ourselves of this infraction. And it's not really my terminology for it. It is our attorney's terminology for it. Like I said, it is a licensing infraction. Yeah. Um, and if it was with the state, it would be. I mean, his words, not mine, not even a misdemeanor, right? But because of the federal inconsistency, and uh, we'll leave it at that, it is yeah. what it is. So, yeah, it's still kind of pending as of right now. And as of right now, yeah. it's pending. Yeah. So at any time, you can still go to litigation over this. It's a tri- it would or, be a trial, right? Trial. Or, or a plea. Or right? a plea. Yeah. And so would you say, and listen, I already know the answer because, you know, your faith is that this is going to be fine. Yeah. But what are they... So they're at this point, they're saying that you're facing... If we go to trial and not take plus. a plea... Yeah, exactly. That's right? what because, they're still saying. Because the, they, they, they essentially... That's how the system works processing-wise. Yeah. The more handshake deals that they can do attorney to attorney, yep. prosecutor to defense attorney, they can turn more cases around in a short amount of time. Exactly. You know, and there's money to be made on that level. Of course. So, fines, restitution, all of that stuff, man. It, it is a very. I, I I know recently of a couple of attorneys that have left the actual uh, states' attorneys and federal attorneys' offices because they didn't like how much power and misuse of power that the federal government uses to actually man- manipulate these cases into what they are or wh- where they go. Say that again. Say that one more time. So, the the attorneys that I've that I heard have left the office, the, yeah. f- the office of uh, the federal government. It's because they don't like the amount of power that they misuse to kind of railroad these cases into pleas. You know, as far as that goes, because they they strong arm you. They yeah. they tell you we're going to take away everything. They tell you we're going to throw the book at you. I mean, they try everything as a scare tactic to derail you from going to trial. Right. If you fully have a belief that you can win, you rather roll that dice. Like, don't roll the dice is what they're telling you. Like Correct. Make that plea. Yeah. Take three years. Take four years. Whatever. It's better than 25 or whatever it is. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's currently still up in there, man. What a sick system it is, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's, it's unfortunate you, you, unless you're unless you're in it or unless you, you have to deal with it, you don't realize how bad it is. Yeah. Because you only hear the horror stories. Correct. But uh, my vision through faith, repetition, and expectancy. And actually expectancy was one of the things that Rex Crane talked about last Sunday. Yeah. Was you step into whatever it is before it happens in your mind, in your belief. Man, I stepped into victory for this so long ago, it's not even funny. Yeah. You know, it's just that, that, I I still sleep, look, you, we talked about this earlier, right? Yeah. Sleeping in less than 30 seconds. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm too my home, or maybe I'm not, but, I don't know how many people would have been able to still feel like I can live my life with this hanging over their head. Not many. And and I'm and uh, once again, praise be to God, glory to God on that because I learned and I was blessed with that ability to be like I choose how I want to feel, I choose my disposition. I'm doing everything I can for this, but I've prayed 
now for the victory that I know you're going to give us, I'm going to fall asleep at night. Yeah. I'm going to start a new business. I'm going to continue to help people, right? And so then whatever happens, come what may, it's all good. Well, listen, that business, as you've said, cannabinoids, it, there's, it's all positive. Yeah. There's literally nothing negative about it. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, the lethal dose, it's funny, there's an LD50, which is called the lethal dose uh, 50 uh, marker. You could die off of Tylenol before you could die off yeah. of cannabis. 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's literally nothing bad about it, yeah. no matter what the, the media tries to shove down our throats or whatever. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Right. It's only positive. It only actually naturally heals the body mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And, and the research that has been done on it has, from, from the early 30s to the 70s to now, <clears throat> is only continuing that positive narrative versus negating anything. There's nothing that's come up in the contra contrary. Nothing. And there's still, there's still so much lack of funds you know, directed towards its research. So you really have to then, once again, common sense question. If all the research has showed, even as small as it is, that it is positive, why is it still illegal at a federal level? Why has there been so much effort for it to get to 37 states and not all states. Why is there still a divide between red and blue, conservatives and liberals in terms of this? Like there, sh there should be no political hostage situation with something this valuable to the American people, but it is, right? So common sense question is, and answer is, it should not. And if you want some regulations around it, sure. I don't know which is the responsible party to allow that, but you know, nonetheless. I mean, man, it's it's unbelievable. And do me a favor. So the one, I'm going to have you sum this up one more time, and then you and I are going to land this plane. Yeah. Sum up what cannabinoids, how it operates with the body. You said we have systems. Yeah, so we actually have an endocannabinoid system. Endo meaning within. Yep. Cannabinoids are actually the valuable uh, acids and uh, molecules that provide benefits to your body. Got it. We have cannabinoid 1 and cannabinoid 2 receptors that affect our CNS or central nervous system. That's what actually helps to be, once again, like an anti-inflammatory, um, an analgesic, an anti-psychotic, um, all the different kind of quote-unquote anti or crossovers that will help your body. That's how it works, right? Because we naturally receive that. We don't have receptors for alcohol. Right. <laughs> we yeah. don't. You know, so it's like that's, that's, not, that's not even in the same playing field. It's not even the same ballpark as cannabis. So let's continue the research. I mean – you don't derive uh, an anti-epileptic medication from alcohol. We got it from the cannabis plant because we found out CBD has that value. So there's so much more to be found out about. And the acids like THCA or CBDA or CBGA or CBGN, the acids are even that much more potent. The, in order to get those acids, the extraction process has to be even that much better. The distillation process has to be that much better. So the mat and the growing cultivation process has to be that much better. So all of those verticals need more funding so you can determine how you can make this in mass, mass amounts so that's not overly price prohibitive because we knew through the manufacturing uh, time that we were in how much the, the pricing of certain stuff fluctuated with its availability and, and its demand. And so it, it's just immense, man. The, the amount of benefits that are yet to be pulled out of that, oh, ridiculous. I can't ridiculous. wait. I can't wait till it's actually fully legalized and people are able to get their hands on it to actually research and, and extract the best you know, content that it has to offer.
I use CBD drops mm-hmm. on a regular basis. I love them. I can feel relaxation immediately. Yeah. My mom uses the CBD cream for her joints, right. uh, like nightly okay. on her knees. Yeah. Like there's times where she can barely wa- walk. Her knees are hurting so bad. Right. And I got her CBD cream, and she rubs it in. She says it's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. The pain goes away, and yeah. she can actually sleep. So this is real stuff. It is, man. And we're giving it out to like some of our friends are now putting it on. No, no. And at first when I was like, no, 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 that's drugs. I'm like, mom, relax. Yeah. It's CBD. We're good. Yeah. And now she's, it's it's a regular thing. Right. And that's just CBD. Like that's I just said. CBD. That's just CBD. It's just not even CBD. come. It's currently illegal to put C- THC with CBD and sell that. But it's like, <sighs> don't even get me started. Yeah. 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 It, it's annoying. Yeah. It is, is it annoying? It is, man. It is. And alcohol, and alcohols and every every other commercial and drugs and drugs with 55 side effects for an entire minute one, one of which being you can die yeah, right, right and that's okay right that's completely 100% acceptable they've made it okay to subscribe to that type of model over the years of, of programming and, and honestly brainwashing yeah that's okay my child is watching these commercials yeah think about if they made a hysteria around pharmaceuticals versus the hysteria they've put around cannabis, right? Oh, it's reefer madness. Oh, it's gonna make the darkies wanna sleep with white women. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that when there was no social media or- That, that history is incredible. It just word of mouth, yeah, just word of mouth passing that along. So you have nowhere else to justify that, right? You can't get any counter information to that when, when the government's pushing that narrative or people in the government, let's just not call it the entity, but let's say people in the government are pushing that narrative. How do you, as a person with no ability to find a contrary viewpoint to that or substantiate that it does work, where do you go for a, a contrary belief? Yeah. You, you don't. You just you just say, okay, well, I guess the people in power are telling me this, and that's correct. Nowadays, the reason why it's getting so much more steam is because you can actually do your own research. You can go down a rabbit hole and see, oh, this was the history of it? Makes complete sense to why we're at where we're at now. Yeah. Doesn't make sense to why it's still banned or feels federally illegal. But wow, this is a shame. This is an actual, you know, tragedy as far as what it's not being able to be used for. So, yeah, significant. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. And I decided this recently. I'm going to finish with a couple of questions here. Okay. And one of them was, I think it was it Rex Crane where we heard, and we keep bringing up Rex Crane. Yeah, I, yeah he's I, awesome. I, oh, dude, yeah. I love Faith healer. Rex. Yeah. I hope you listen to this someday. <laughs> I love you. You're the yeah. man. All right. Faith healer. Yeah. I think, he, I think he was the one who said something like, rather than asking yourself, or maybe it was, was it at the conference, yeah. but rather than say, hey, what would you go back and tell your 20-year-old self? Mm. It, remember, somebody said, or was it the bishop? It was the bishop. Bishop said, what would you tell your 50-year-old? Like, yeah. whatever is, yeah. so I'm going to lay that on you. Mm. What would you tell your 50-year-old self, your 41? Right. Wow. That was profound. Give it me was. That. Interesting. Tell your 50-year-old self. You know, the the... The message that's uh, stuck with me since high school, since we touched upon this, was, you know, when you take on something, don't do it, don't half-step it, right? Right. And and, and saw me get cut the first time I tried out for football when I half-stepped going into everything. So commitment is is huge. And and we heard this a lot during the course of the Emerge was the just show up. Yeah. But what are you going to show up and do? Right. I mean, are you just going to show up and and stand there on the sideline or are you going to actually participate? So I love some of the things. That's the other part about team that your kids will get is being contributing to is you'll hear some of those mantras or those axioms um, or those credos like commit to excellence. If you're going to do something, don't just 
don't just show up. Show up and 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 show up to actually earn the victory. Yeah. You know, so my 50-year-old self well, I don't I don't know if this is, sounds as powerful, but it's just continue to commit to excellence, right? I tell my my 50-year-old self, I mean, just look at back at what that's actually given you from the time you decided in high school to commit to excellence and where that's gotten you now. Yeah. Don't ever waver from that. And, and that's not necessarily meaning that you need to be the best and compared to other people. Right. That just means your best self. Correct. Your best version. Yeah. Of yourself. I committed to excellence in terms of the best version for me when I when I went through my divorce and I, I stumbled upon Kat. Yeah, you know, stumbled. Or she stumbled upon me, really, because yeah. she had the medical boot on. You know that story. That's right. Yeah. So... That, that once again, if I hadn't if I hadn't had the commitment to myself that I'm going to be happy, that her energy and my energy would have never lined up. Wow! And we because you you know her she's I mean she's bubbly she's exciting she's yeah. charming yeah. I mean amazing to be around. My energy wasn't on that vibration. We would have not connected. We would have you know may, may have said hello this that another but not to where where hey we're going to get married in two weeks. No, you know? like if you had done the normal thing that normal people do. Yeah. Get caught up in your pity party, mm-hmm. playing the victim card. Right. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. You wouldn't have connected with her. No. You know what I'm saying? Right. Listen up, folks. If you're still listening and watching, <laughs> we're two hours in. We're over two hours in. Are we serious? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my okay. videographers are looking. Okay. At me. Gotcha. I know when we're getting close, they start looking at me like gotcha. with a look. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, look. Yeah, don't worry. Just make sure we have good cameras, bro. Right. I don't want to be losing the volume or the audio on this. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, so, um, what was I saying? The, the, the cat. Yeah. So, if, I, if I hadn't chosen. Yeah. Cause most people, and again, most people in their lives are feeling far, sorry for themselves. They're pulling the victim card right. and that right there, what you just said, bro. And now look where your life is mm-hmm. now because you're with cat, you supported her on her faith journey. Now you're locked in with awaken. You and I are sitting here. You're wearing your legendary gear from emerge. Mm-hmm. Look where this is going next. Yeah. Think about it, dude. Oh yeah, man. This is crazy. Yeah. All right, so here's my last question. Yeah. And I'm going to start doing this on my guest. I, I, I feel I'm, privileged now to be with the first to you are. this question. Yeah, right. this is great. Unless it's a crazy it, question. This is great. This is power. Watch how powerful. <laughs> Rex, look, watch how powerful. This, this is good. If you guys haven't watched Red Crane, he says that all. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. says that all. Watch how powerful. I love it. Yeah. All right, so I'm huge on why. Hmm. Because people say, well, J.D., how, do you, how are you motivated all the time? How are you always fired up, passionate? I said, well, my why is huge. Like, mm-hmm. why I do what I do every day carries me through. Right. Number one, of course, family. But number two, I'm not going to get into mine. So I want right. to push into you a little bit here. So along the way, through this stuff, going through what you've went through right there, especially what you're going through right now, all yeah. the success you've had, starting another business where it's taking you one to two years to even try to become profitable. Because that's mm-hmm. a normal business, by the way. Yeah. It takes two to three years. Well, to we opened in the heart of COVID, too. Yeah, right in the heart of COVID. What is your why? Like what every day drives you to do what you do, to eat perfectly, to drink uh, water, BCAAs, have a great diet, work out, take care of yourself, and be the best version of you every day, be successful, help others. What how what drives you every day? What's your why? Mm-hmm. It, Along it comes, the way. Yeah. It, well, you know, it, it the why originated from my parents, right? And that was originally to fulfill kind of their dream for us. So they instilled that upon us. And there was, it was take pride in, in your work, right? Uh, be aware. I mean, there's so many nuggets that they instilled in us as far as that goes. And so my brother and I are blessed to have that upbringing, amazing upbringing. 
and that's our emotionally charged connection, if you will, to this world and to other people is if somebody's going to rely on us, we can't let them down. I mean, it gets me choked up every once in a while when I talk about my parents because of they did everything possible to to put themselves in a scary situation. Yeah. And just for my brother and I, it's 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 unfathomable, right? If you never do it, to just think that's something that oh, me as a parent can do that for my kids. So that that's the that's the origination of the why. The continuation of it is you set a standard for yourself that you want to live up to, and it's you know for me having I guess a, a part of it is a product of circumstance, right? Not having the things that other kids had. Even in high school, like we had kids driving up in brand new Lexuses and Mercedes and stuff like that, right? I had, we had a, a beat up old car that my dad passed down to us that we could drive, and for us it was it was a win. But it was like, man, I came from very little in terms of what I received. Granted, I received a lot more uh, in terms of a non physical or materialistic sense, but because of that, I was like, I want to earn and I want to get as much as possible from this life that. I wasn't I didn't feel like I got when I was a kid and then it continued on to man I can really help people change their lives when I got into personal training and I saw the reward that was intrinsic that these people actually through me are making a difference in their emotional and physical or the physical and then their emotional well-being that continued to drive me forward so it's definitely the milestones along the way that's that that I look back at and be like wow like I've gotten nothing but pure internal intrinsic reward from helping others. And in order to be able to help others and have that alignment that says, I'm doing everything that if you're asking me what to do, I'm telling you, I can't. It's like what Bishop said. Yeah. If you're watching one of those old Japanese movies and they're making the, and then the audio comes in after, it's like there's a disconnect there. I'm not going to be living my life like an old Japanese movie where I'm saying one thing and doing another because that sound and that visual is not going to connect. Yeah. So what keeps me going now is if you're going to ask me how to get to be successful, I better be doing exactly what I'm telling you as far as getting to success is I should be doing the same exact thing. And that's the reason why I do what I do now. So you're basically constant pursuit of excellence. In commit to excellence. And Absolutely. Commit to excellence commit in everything to excellence you do. And everything that I do. That's the, and as you said it earlier, which is the right way to say it, is Commit to excellence at your own level of excellence. Right. Correct. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Jason Godino. Real deal talk. Dude, Real that was, deal it was. D- dude, I can't believe it's been over two hours. I want to keep going here. I love this. We can run it back at, at a later date. There's, uh, like, there's, more, there's more important people to come up here than me, man. Come on. Yeah. This was so good, though, man. But I want to dig further. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's a wrap. This, uh, this was this was legendary. Legendary. Uh, right Ra- radio voices. That's a wrap, baby. That's a wrap.